and welcome to this very special edition of Gameware Express. My name is Adam Arendt, and we're here celebrating our 10th anniversary of recording this show together. It's been a long time since October of 2013 when we started doing this, but here we still are getting together and recording our thoughts and opinions on video games to you 10 years later. John Michael Carley, welcome to the show. Can you believe it? No, I can't. A whole decade's worth of just us rambling about video games. We're all older and wiser and grayer. Neil Bonham. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm 10 out of 10. There we go. (laughs) Steven Martin. Hello. Mr. Uncle Gameware himself. Let's talk about video games. Steven's been a part of Gameware for more than half your life at this uh, point? I don't know. 2001. Okay, that was... How long ago was that? 22 years, years ago at this point. Okay, well, I'm 42, so yeah. So there we go. Math. Wow. <laughs> and rounding out the cast, Renee Martin, welcome to the show today. That's me. Thank you. Do you remember your 10th birthday? Ooh, what did I, I do on my 10th birthday? birthday. I don't even think I can. I think I went to the movies. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I just remember that like my papa was like really, he was said, you're double digits now. You're double digits now. And that's all I remember. Time I to don't get know a job and start was... contributing. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm so happy we're all here, that we're all doing this. We not, might not have been on the air for all 10 of those years because life gets in the way. There Maybe it was a global pandemic, you know. Something. But um, 10 years ago, we started doing this. And to celebrate... I figured it'd be fun. We've never actually put pen to paper and done this. So all five of us has gotten t- together separately to put yeah. together. <laughs> we got together separately, yes. I like that. Our top 10 games of all time. All time. Actually. And we're going to count time. them down on this show today to help celebrate 10 years of Gameware Express. Wow. Also, we'll also be splicing in uh, your lists and your thoughts and your stories and your opinions that you've written in to us, which we definitely appreciate. So thank you for everyone who submitted uh, your lists and and thoughts to us. Those will be uh, spliced in throughout the show. But we'll get things started with our own top 10 lists. Now, we all kind of came up with these lists in our own way, right? Because it's really hard to define, (laughs) like, what are the top 10 video games, right? Is the top... 10 best playing the best you know most impactful to you the ones you've had the most fun with the ones you've played the most the ones that are just stuck in your head forever that you can't get i think all of us probably have different criteria on how we came up with our list big time yeah i think some of our lists are probably still in flux even though we're you know putting technically pen to paper where it's now on the record mine are digital but yeah, <laughs> I didn't write anything down. Hell, I feel like my last two or three games could be like eight different games, and this would still be a great list. So, um, why don't we go ahead and kick things off? With we actually don't know who goes first. Adam, has oh yeah, we randomized which order we're going in. I had so. an order, and then we decided to randomize things to make it more fun. So to kick things off, Neil. Oh Whoa. no! <laughs> oh, my original Sunday buddy working yeah. at Gameware together when I first started, uh, Neil. Why don't you share with us your top 10 games all of right. all time? Let's do it. All right. So, number 10, I have Grand Theft Auto 3. Okay. Oh, oh okay. Like so, yeah. reason being is because, you know, this game, especially around the time it came out, I got it as a Christmas gift from my brother. And I remember him telling me, you know, he went to a game store, and at the time, he was like, I want a game for my brother. And it, apparently, the guy told him between this and Metal Gear Solid 2. And 
Man, so this he, clerk sounds awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Steven? <laughs> so, and, you know, just ever since... It, it was my first ever Grand Theft Auto game, and it's it's the only one I, like, gravitate towards ever playing again. Sure. Um, and there's just something really about the the size of the map. It's, like, it felt huge at the time, but mm-hmm. compared to, like, Grand Theft Auto now, it's really, really small, but... I don't know, just the quirkiness and goofiness of this game and how silly it is and cheat codes. Just yeah, the cheat codes <laughs> and then knowing how it was like all over the news at the time oh, too, yeah. trying to get taken down by that <laughs> Jack Johnson. I don't think that's his <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, Jack is Jack Black. <laughs> but uh but yeah, you know, um man, just hours upon hours spent in Liberty City in this yeah. game and like just loving, you know, one of my favorite things to do is just to steal a taxi and just do taxi and play, rides. It's like crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, you know, once you get a hundred of them, you unlock that red taxi and like, I oh, don't know, man, just, I love that game. I it, love that game a lot. Good choice. It's definitely one of those, like my parents did not let me play that growing yeah. up. So I always had to like go over to my neighbor, my friend neighbor's oh, yeah, house yeah, yeah. And, and we take turns. Every time someone died, just pass the yeah. controller and, and cause him and my mom like from watching the news at that time like was very concerned when i oh, went no. to go play this game so she like ran upstairs and as i'm playing it she was just like wait this is what they're up in arms about it's a cartoon <laughs> can't even see so it's like exactly yeah. let me run over this hooker yeah. i feel like everyone our age like has some kind of story about this game and yeah. like has such fond memories we were like the perfect age for it too right yeah. we're like a little too young for it but just like you know it's like watching like r-rated movies yeah. when you're just young enough like yeah. it's fine really yeah. but i don't it's know it's shocking in a fun way exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 especially when you're like 13 or so it's like yeah. ooh, i'm not supposed to see this but i did and another reason i love it too is just like the silent protagonist you know yeah, that, of course. That, uh, honestly as we go down my list you'll probably see a lot of my games have that um, tetris half yes. life 2 yeah. um, he hates conversation that's why it's on this podcast so yeah um grand theft auto 3 man just what a what a fun game mm-hmm. way to start the um, list number nine Katamari Damacy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think we all um, knew this was going to be on Neil's list. Yeah. LTM, Katamari Damacy. I'm actually kind of shocked. It's probably not higher. I'm shocked you didn't wear your Katamari Damacy t-shirt. I thought about it. <laughs> I had this one and uh, that one pulled out. Uh-huh, and I, sure. I chose the Zelda one. Um, but yeah, so this game, you know, especially at the time of launch, uh, $20 brand new and so just affordable. really didn't yep. know anything about this game. That's like, the best way to go into that game. Yeah, I yes. knew it was going to be weird. Um and just like the cover art, so I mean, good. probably my favorite cover art of all time. So simple, mm-hmm. right? Simple blue sky, rainbow, and just a Doesn't giant really ball with everything about, rolled yeah, up like, into it. It actually does tell you everything, but tells you nothing at the same time <laughs> about what this game is. You're like I don't know what this is. Um, and yeah, just the music, uh, the king mm-hmm. of all cosmos, is how he talks with a record scratch. <laughs> um, just the the sense of scale in this game too. You know, you start off very small, and then. Not even to the point of, like, the last levels where you're rolling up buildings, but I just love the idea of, like, you know, level one, you're rolling up thumbtacks, but by level Mm -hmm. three, you're, like, big enough to roll up the cats, but you're seeing, like, where you were in level one from a different Mm -hmm. perspective. The idea of progression is always, like, there. You see it constantly. It's almost like it's just one huge level that they just kind of pulled the camera back on. Yes. I mean, it makes development easy, but also, like, it works into the gameplay. It's, like, it's such a, like, a tight package that, like, it's oozing with depth because yeah. there's no wasted space in that game. Yeah, and and you know just the games that ended up 
coming out of this series at following it, you know, with We Love Katamari, which was even wilder and crazier. Yes. And then you have like beautiful Katamari and mm-hmm. just all the same shit all the time, <laughs> but the same crazy music, the same crazy weirdness. Like it just never, I, I think this is the first game I really remember where it like took something very weird and made like, making weird games a mainstream thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And accessible too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and game stores like Gameware were definitely a place where like we were the beating heart of a game like Katamari Damacy and we were able to spread just yeah. the information yes. about this game like to everyone. I love the folklore of people discovering this game yeah. because <laughs> I even like I sold a copy to my owner like the chick-fil-a owner that i was working at because i was working at gameware and at chick-fil-a and he was like oh i've heard of that game because i think i was like telling other like employees about it he was like oh i want a copy of that so i yeah. bought it at gameware and then gave it to him and he gave me 20 extra bucks on my That'll check be 21.79 you know? nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so, yeah i feel like that's kind of how that game like kind of became popular is just yeah. because of like game store people like us just and it's kind of spreading the good word it's one of those few games too that i've like through recommendations or just hearing people play it. Like I've never heard anyone not like Katamari. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's a Tetris in its own way. You know, it's just, it's, it's delightful. Like that's <laughs> the only way I can describe this game. Um, but yeah, going on number eight, uh, the witness. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, Hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so the witness is just, I don't know if I can go too much into what makes this game so special without like spoiling a big aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I'll just say I, I, I love the how it, there's just no guidance. Like you that start off and you run through this little area and then from there you're opened up on this island and um, figure it out. You figure it's it out. Yeah. Like, you're just doing um, some puzzles. And another reason I really loved this game was it was like one of the first times with my now wife who, you know, it's not a multiplayer game at all, but man, we co-opted the hell out of that game. <laughs> and, some of the best games? And it was just like, you know, how our different, like our knowledge of different aspects of things like mm-hmm. helped with this game, you know, like I didn't have an art degree. I don't know if you put sh- glass shade over something, what makes it another color, but she does have an art degree and she knew all that Mm -hmm. so like solving those puzzles and just the element of like going figure out puzzles and being like man i let me just go somewhere else and then you go somewhere else and realize there's this whole new rule to the game and um (laughs) then there's just like this moment in the game where you realize like the way everything is built matters Mm -hmm. and it was just man a huge turning point it's actually a game i've never beaten Okay, but yeah, I mean, it's it's very it's, challenging. It's a but, lofty yeah, game. Yeah, but uh, I, I I just I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. And um, there's there's a whole bunch I guess of like kind of like lore with videos and stuff that you find out in the mountain of the game that I have no idea what it's about. Oh, interesting. Um, but ultimately, just the puzzle aspect of it. It's it's one of my all time favorite puzzle mm-hmm. games. Um, number seven. Um, I think this is a game we were kind of having a discussion about outside of the podcast recently, but mm-hmm. it's a game that has stuck with me, and I have played it over and over and over again. Uh, but is inside. Okay. And inside, if you ask me, while it's not like my number one personal favorite game, I think it's easily arguable as probably the absolute best game of all time. Oh. And. That's one bold of the words. Well, one of the reasons being is 
a um i just love that once you kind of like get to know everything how the game is literally just a seamless level from beginning to end mm-hmm. like with no loading no nothing and just the tone the atmosphere of this world everything about it is creepy and it's one of the very 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 few games that even though i know what's coming it feels like i'm playing it for the first time every time hmm. and i think that's just due to like the atmosphere they built in this game sure. with cuz even no matter how much you play it and you kind of see what's going on there there's just really no true explanation so it kind of like just makes me have new theories every time i play this game with mm-hmm. what with what is happening in this world um and just stuff like you know watching the background and seeing what's going on with that and stuff too um and then the sound bridge like the lead up to the sound bridge is just something i'll never ever forget (laughs) um but yeah inside um number six this is one uh we spent a lot of time with Uh Uh oh and you've probably heard a lot if you ever listened to this podcast over the last 10 years uh but destiny Number six. <laughs> Number oh, six. Out of here. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't cut Neil's top five. Ball. Wow. Okay. Ready. Out no. the gate. Okay. Yeah. Destiny so. number six for Neil. That is a big deal. Yes. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. And so this is probably the game I've actually probably played the most in my life. Yeah. I was about to say. Um, but it, it's just one of those games that A, ruin first person shooters for me. <laughs> um, just because the gunplay in Destiny is unmatched. Like Agreed. no yep. other game comes close except maybe titanfall 2 <laughs> um but even that still feels more like a call of duty yeah mm-hmm. um but it was just the my first real venture into playing a game with friends online mm-hmm. um and it really just also holds a special place because at at the time of buying destiny i didn't really uh friend of the show scott bezdek you know i didn't really like i worked with him a little bit at gameware mm-hmm. and like we knew each other but uh, he kind of just like hit me up online one day and was like, Hey, I see you're playing destiny. Like you want to play. <laughs> and that just like started this trickle effect of us, like getting other people to play and then meeting random people online and meeting those people in real life and playing with Adam and, um, just A community so, game. Yeah. so many freaking memories. It's, it's one of those that really hit. Cause I never played. Wow. But like, yeah. this was my wow because right. yes, meet, meeting yeah. people online and meeting them in person. That's, a very unique experience that has only come from our time playing Destiny. Yeah. And uh, just the story, like, it's still going. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's really good. Almost 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Dude, their 10-year podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, um, man, just what, it, what, it, what an incredible game. And mm-hmm. so many good memories. And just, like, the little stuff of Garfunkel. Yeah. You know, just, mm-hmm. like, stuff like that that... We we know inside joke I uh, guess yeah. Uh, yeah yeah but moving on destiny there's so much I can talk about with destiny. <laughs> uh, number five uh, Chrono Trigger nice oh yes love some Chrono so, Trigger yeah Chrono Trigger is um uh a a really special case for me too because it was um, just a game I randomly like rented from Blockbuster mm-hmm. um, and loved it and it was mainly because like I knew dragon ball z at the time and saw the cover art and was like that looks yep. like dragon ball z weird <laughs> and um yeah so just playing that game and man the the story the music the characters everything the gameplay the gameplay yeah the dual text the uh just 
you know how RPGs have the thing of like when you go into random battle and it's like now you're just on left and right? Yeah. Like how they program this to just be situational yes. in yeah. every single unique battle. And uh, it's, it's really a, the it's music. A very, it's a very unique music. RPG. Game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so far as that, like, you know, I, I don't think, again, until we saw like Sea of Stars recently, mm-hmm. uh, have we seen anything really like it? Before or since, honestly. Because, I mean, even like its sequel, you know, I'll argue that Chrono Cross is an amazing RPG, but a horrible sequel. Absolutely. It's a spiritual successor more than it is a true sequel. And, uh, man, Chrono Trigger just another silent protagonist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Same with Destiny. Same with Inside. (laughs) Um, What was my other one? Katamari. (laughs) The prince is silent. That's true. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I mean, I I think you're batting 100% uh, on silent. You are. So far, so far, you're good. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, uh, so nine of my ten are all silent. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Man, a few words. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, moving on. Chrono Trigger. I mean, again, there's so much I can probably go on and say. Uh, I feel like we'll probably discuss it a few more times on this podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll save, like, what else I have to say when that. Yeah, it, in, might, it might pop up again. Inevitably there's no way to comes know. around. <laughs> there's no way to know. But I have a um, strong feeling we might discuss it again. <laughs> number four, Shadow of the Colossus. Ooh, okay. Nice. Okay. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so again, another game just like where the tone and atmosphere of this world, um, especially after coming off of Ico, you know, Ico was a really weird kind of game and like, right. Uh, yeah. What, it was a Slow. launch title. It was. Right? It was Wasn't it? it was, Close well, yeah, to it, it at least. Like, here's sort of what the PS2 window. can do. Yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. like, I remember playing Ico and just like loving it, but then it was like, hey, this this game coming from the creator of Ico in like the same world is now coming out and man just like what could it be the, the whole idea of like building this entire world around 16 enemies mm-hmm. and all unique enemies mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's all boss fights yeah and uh it's the not speed runner boss rush <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, it's a very slow <laughs> boss rush and boss uh, walk. but that's cool right because like the boss is the level is the boss yeah like yeah and and just like the amazement in like seeing this world, especially on a PS2 and even recently with the PS4 remake, just mm-hmm. how they capitalized on how great this game already was. Yes. How and, tiny uh, you are versus how massive these things that you are attacking yeah. are. And, and the little nuances of like, after you beat them, how you can see the little like light in the sky, like yes. going up into the clouds afterwards. Did and... you immediately, cause I did, I did. Did you immediately feel um, after you, you beat that first Colossus, like, did you immediately feel this does not feel right? Yes. To me? <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I'm doing bad things. Yeah. Yes, correct. Because I immediately felt that. Yeah. And, and that permeates throughout that game. Um, and I, I love, I love. Yeah. Shadow and especially because it's like, you know, you're doing this because the love of your life is selfish, is, is dead. And it's very selfish. And so it's like, you know what you're doing is wrong. But, but here we go anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, yeah. It just wow, and and the ending, the ending with how it subtly ties into Ico, uh, Ico, and you know just eat that whole series. I mean, Last Guardian and everything, just Udea is amazing. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Really it was a launch game, by the way. It was. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. I, I didn't play it on launch, but mm. yeah, mm-hmm. idiot. Um, <laughs> oh. uh, number three. Number three. Here we go. Number three. So now we're in the top three. Wow. Ooh. 
And all of these will probably come as no surprise to any of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but number three, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Okay. Nice. There we go. Um, the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so The Legend of Zelda is like one of those series where, I mean, ultimately I could probably put like any of these games in this list. Right. Um, but again, like when I was curating this list, it what came down to it was really how these worlds made me feel yes. at the time of me playing them. And Ocarina of Time was just one of those really special ones, especially being the first 3D Zelda game and seeing Hyrule, like, from this perspective. And um, There truly is just something special about Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I mean, it's down to the point of, like, in the beginning of, like, when Navi is flying around and, like, you know, runs into the lattice work and then flies through it again. Like, I I know exactly which one she's going to be flying through because I've, like, played this game so much. And um, just that whole journey of link in this game and yet you, you know it, it's such a well-done adventure though right like it, it it takes these like good story beats and has have you explore these like excellent different areas yeah. that are all interesting and unique and i don't know each each zone you go to feels like it's just as interesting as the last like you have uh, you can't wait to get some new equipment or power up so you can go explore because you know you saw an area that you thought you could get to, and well, now I have a hook shot, so let me go see if I yeah. can explore over mm-hmm. here now. So. Yeah, and even like knowing, like like seeing areas, knowing that you couldn't get to them yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. knowing you had to come back. and From a <clears throat> design perspective, how do you, as a game developer, um, create something new like that, like Ocarina sure. of Time, that's never been done before? Because before that, you know, Mario was popular in 1985, and maybe you're a company making a game similar to that. <laughs> you're like, well, people like Mario. Let's mm-hmm. let's make a game that's like that. But then, when you think about 1994, 1995, and then yep. that you know this 3D, early 3D games being developed, you're not being able to like kind of stand on the shoulders of other game developers. You you're to, having to create, and yeah. that that is From something nothing. to me that's like, how do you even do that? Like, yeah, yeah. and I guess now, I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, you just... Does anybody really do that anymore? Is that even Well, I mean, because the framework of, like, adventure games like this has been created, right? So, again, you're still just building upon that. And not that there weren't, like, quote-unquote adventure games before, but, like, the the depth and detail of the adventure you go on is, I don't know, it's just so charming and unique and beautiful and fun. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely well-deserved of your top three. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, again, like, I remember being a kid and like I mean this was like the reason I wanted a 64 sure and um got one for Christmas and got that game for Christmas you know gold cartridge and all and, yep <laughs> oh yeah, man too. I just remember sitting in like that little like 13 14 inch CRT yep. I had in my room and like playing this game just being amazed playing the game and then even when I wasn't playing the game, I had the player's guide that was in my backpack that I was taking to school. In any downtime, I was just flipping it. like, yeah. like it was like the Bible. That. I literally yes. still do that now. I yeah, well, that's what's like, yeah, it's yeah. just, just, just studying. You're looking it, at like, the Bible, John Michael. <laughs> yep, <laughs> my Bible. <laughs> I remember real quick. I remember like sitting on the floor in, in a, a den in my parents' house, and this must have been uh, before Christmas of '98. I don't. I guess it was when the game had come out. Sure. And my mom uh, walked in, and I was already I was playing some other game, and she walked in and she said, "I bought this for you for Christmas. Do you just want this now?" <laughs> and it was it was <laughs> a period of time with the guide because oh, I guess sure. she had bought it from like Nintendo Power or something. Oh, okay. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll, 
yeah, I'll play. It. I'll take that right now. <laughs> sure. I mean, I was 16, 17. I mean, I was older mm-hmm. than you guys, but yeah, definitely played a shitload of <laughs> like, around launch time. It was probably the, the week the game came out. Yeah. And I- Oh, I really was going to say um, something I think we were talking about on the podcast. Uh, maybe it was a few months ago. Are games that like where there's a turn like in the middle. And while it's, there isn't, you know, like a twist in the middle of this game, it's still it's a game I really love whenever a villain wins in yeah, the middle. Yeah, 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 and yeah. you get to see the aftermath. And yep. you're like, now I know what I'm fighting for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that about yeah. Ocarina. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're playing like, again, I, for Ocarina of Time, you're playing a game that when you start this up, you're like, oh, I'm a kid. I'm going on a little adventure. Mm-hmm. I'm getting these. Surrounded like, by other kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm getting these like little gemstones. And then I got them. And then, like you said, there's a twist and it's like a whole separate back half of the game and then you're still going to the front half of the game and you're going between like you have time travel in this game that's crazy like it's so good yeah and uh 100% like the sound effects in this game are like pure ASMR to me sure mm-hmm. uh, absolutely like like link uh young link running with the Hyrule shield and that mm-hmm. like clanking that it has and yeah just go stand in the middle of Hyrule yeah or just uh go go to Lon Lon Ranch yeah, uh, and, and just, just listen to the cows moo and the when it gets nighttime, the crows in the sky. And yeah, and even like, like the sound of like his footsteps on grass versus like bricks yep. and just I, probably the most um, like the, the best opening for a video game ever created. Just that title screen. Yeah, just yeah. honestly, yes. To me, if that's the last thing I see before I die, <laughs> and like the the little <laughs> musical chimes, yeah. like yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like the first time you played that game, you probably didn't immediately press start. You probably just stared at that for a yeah, while. Yeah, let it happen at you. Yeah. <laughs> and especially, like, because at that time, like, I actually believe I did that because it's, you know, when you're playing the game, you're limited and you have to unlock all this stuff. But when you're watching the title screen, you see Hyrule Field and this horse and, like, Adult Link. And that's yeah. all stuff that doesn't happen for hours. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, man, it's incredible. But we probably need to move on. Um, but number two, The Legend of Zelda. Uh-oh. Oh! A Link to the Past. Ooh! Nice. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that, this was like my first venture into Zelda, and it has stuck with me ever since. It's a game yeah. now that, like, I can just pick up, play, and, you know, given the time, beat in a handful of hours. You sure. know, it's pretty quick. Um, but, you know, God. Just exploring that world of Hyrule and all the little secrets. And um, this game, like, was an interesting way for me to get into it because it was actually my cousins owned the game. And at the time, I was probably like seven or eight years old. So they were like five, okay, six. And like, they, they never even got to the first dungeon. Like, they had no idea what to Oops. do. So, me as like a seven or eight year old <laughs> was playing and ended up like, finding the way to the first dungeon and like beating the first dungeon and just like blowing their minds. Like, you, know? you could do then, that in this game. But like in doing that, it like, I remember leaving cause they lived in Mississippi and I was just like begging my dad for this game. now. <laughs> and, uh, man, uh, just another one where like the music is incredible exploring the world and finding all the little secrets with yeah, the so items and stuff. There's so many. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a pretty lengthy game too for you know at the time for Super Nintendo type games right yeah so, um, just again a, a, a an adventure right yeah. like you you go and again you're 
jumping between worlds and things like that. Yeah, so, another one where like the villain pseudo wins in the middle of it. That's and you're true. sent yeah. to the dark world and mm-hmm. now like you have to figure all this out and I'm a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I so wish that I had been introduced to this game earlier on. It like it wasn't a part of my Super Nintendo like repertoire yeah. basically and I didn't get to play it until I was like 17 18 or something like that so i like i mourn like the memories (laughs) that that could have been (laughs) it's probably one of those games like you definitely see and understand why there's a huge appreciation for it absolutely uh or if you were introduced to like the gba version where he just (laughs) every time you swing the sword that's my (laughs) ringtone that was actually the first time i played it was the gba version that's Mm -hmm. oh i'm so sorry Uh, (laughs) Maybe I should watch Steven play it yeah. someday. But uh, you can play it. No, <laughs> you're, you're allowed to. No, it's like it's the kind of game I would want to watch him play. Yeah, but it's it's just it's so good and like even you know elements of it like that are so dark like where you find like these people who lost their kid and that's like the flute boy and how you get the little yeah the little uh, ocarina I guess Actually, it yeah, is. You they call it a flute um, and man just unique boss fights. I, like nice. little little things like figuring out the the uh, the blind thieves house Let's and like say, how yeah. you have to like bomb it to make the sunshine come through <laughs> from the level above and like this is a two D game you know so like three D is not really something you were really thinking about back then well, now you have to but like they had elements of three D in this game and it mm-hmm. was just like mind blowing. I mean, Links at Links the Past is a game that's now thirty. 30- 33 years old Ooh. and it's to this day still informs new game development new game design and new game yes. development mm-hmm. yeah there's games that are still coming out to this day that are trying to kind of capture a spirit of or part of what link to the past did in 1991 92 mm-hmm. yeah which i think is phenomenal yeah absolutely and uh so moving on number one um is obviously final fantasy 7 yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thought it was gonna be toy story <laughs> and and I'll be I'll be honest with this list. I did put slash remake um, because okay. remake is like right up there with the original sure. for me in its own unique way. But like remake wouldn't really be what it is without the original. That's fair. Um, but ultimately, I'll just talk about you know the the PlayStation version because um, Final Fantasy VII was just. It's something. <laughs> it's yeah. an event. <laughs> like so. So first of all, like I, I didn't own a memory card when this game first came out. So, oh my god, that's a problem. Because like I was playing like racing games and like fighting games and stuff that just like I mean, as a ten year old, I didn't really know you needed yeah, you had a to, memory like, card to like progress. save all this. Yeah. So I remember like playing it and then like. Re- realizing like oh i need one of these things and like no. it was something that like i, I couldn't get for like a week or two so like i left my playstation on because okay. i didn't want to like have to redo <laughs> anything so scary. yeah set your house um, on fire yeah <laughs> but you know and i think all of us can agree that this was definitely the game that put like rpgs um to the like forefront yeah I think uh, it... at the time here in here in the united states mm-hmm. you know because this game was like really advertise as like a cinematic adventure and i mean it, it, it was is. Yeah. It, it was you know and there's even like things like that hinted in it you know when you get a game over and it's just like a film reel that's been busted and broken up yeah. and um but you know being i guess i was 11 when this game came out um you know being that young and and diving into this story that's 
really all about loss and how it affects you and you know it's a pretty dense story yeah like there's a lot of layers to it and uh you know it it just it it was really the game that just like really put storytelling as like that's what i want in a video Mm -hmm. game and uh god (laughs) like to this day, it, it's still, like, the Materia system is just still my absolute favorite system I've played in a video game. And, um, you know, I was playing this game three weeks ago and did something that I had never done in this video game before that I didn't even know was possible. Finish it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did do Hush that. Hush you. <laughs> uh, uh, it was actually, uh, so, I didn't realize you could get your level two limit break without getting the first set of two. Oh, in level one. So I apparently got like the 200 kills with Cloud before using Braver eight times. So I unlocked Blade blade Beam before I unlocked Cross Slash. Whoa, okay. <laughs> um, so it was just something like, you know, I'm still finding new things in this game, even though that was probably the only new thing. <laughs> I think I've found everything else in this game. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's an incredible story. And the reason I kind of like put Remake with it is, you know, this game was like probably the first time my imagination just went wild playing a video game like thinking about the sense of scale of like how big Midgar was and like what it meant to be under the plate mm-hmm. uh and it's like kaiju fights like <laughs> yeah like with the weapons yeah, and stuff saying, yeah like... and uh you know just then how remake was able to just basically take my imagination and replicate it yeah, that's true. Is just phenomenal. It's kind of like a, a feat in its own. Yeah. And uh but yeah, Final Fantasy Seven. Uh the only game where the, the main character talks. Uh, that's on my that's list. <laughs> and even then it's not that much. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's yeah, a he's, stretch. he's a he's a he's a dude bro. Uh, <laughs> you don't say much. But yeah, and and like even you know, this game meant a lot to me too because of just like the goofiness in it, even in like the seriousness, you know, you have things like the cross-dressing section and uh, the slap fight on the cannon. Or... You have a character who is a cat fighting on a stuffed animal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's a character in this game. But, uh, yeah, it, I think it was just like that, that first deep dive into like storytelling and just the twist and turns in the game. Mm-hmm. They kill really... main characters in this game. Yeah, right? I mean, it wasn't the first time they did it. No, in it's Final not. Fantasy, but that's but... what I'm saying. It's it doesn't make it less like. But it's probably the most iconic. I was gonna say I think it's more impactful in this game. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they've uh, certainly done it before. It's Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy specifically has, yeah. but like this one, it's like I can't believe they just did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. you like see a future throughout this game, like with that person by yeah, your yeah, side. It's like like an, yeah, it's an integral like yeah. party member, right? Like they yeah. don't like come in and out really. Like Not it's even like, integral, but I mean, you know, some as even may say like a love connection to the main right, character, yeah, yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, so um, yeah. And <laughs> it's just such a good game. Um, One it, you replay often. Very often. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nice. so I guess we can move on and if i have well, anything else no but yeah definitely that was a great list neil before we move on do you want to run down a quick uh 10 to yeah. 1 just 10 to 1 fire. sure bring it back so uh number 10 gta 3 number 9 katamari damacy number 8 the witness number 7 inside number 6 destiny number 5 chrono trigger number 2 shadow of the colossus number 4 that's it <laughs> divided by two 
<laughs> number three. Uh, shit, I wrote two on here. But yeah, it is number four. Uh, where was I? Three. Number three. Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Number two, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. And number one, Final Fantasy VII. Very nice. Very okay. nice. That's a good list. Up next. Uh-oh. <laughs> Renee. Oh, oh my God. Time to go. <laughs> Y'all, I'm going to throw up. I don't know why I'm nervous. <laughs> Guys, she's so nervous. Why? She showed up here nervous. <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, I am too. And I think it's just this whole, like, we're so used to, like, how we record. You know, we yeah. have, like, a setup and how we do things. And this is, like, out the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also feels like we're pretty locked in on these decisions that we've made. <laughs> they're, they're going yeah. down in audio history. I've like, changed my list, like, four times. Steve's been so <laughs> quiet because he's just been typing away, creating yeah. various I feel like I'm like, like the stock market. Like you hit refresh and it's something different because like my 10 and 9, I'm like, well, should I change them? Should I change them? I, I literally changed two. Change it right now. Do it right now. Oh my God. Just oh do it. Go with your gut. No. Okay. No. This was my gut it's several done. days on. ago. It's a gut thing. It is a gut thing. I'm going to trust Renee of the past and say that my number 10 is Persona 3 Portable. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, that was my number 11. Whoa. Like, just missed the cut. I'm going to go ahead and spoil my top 10 a little bit and also say that Persona 5 and Persona 5 Royal is not on my list. Wow. Okay, that's Boom. Boom. That's, that's a, a bold shocker. statement, okay. actually. Okay. <laughs> I'm also going to go ahead and say that I don't think any of the games that are on my top 10 will be on anyone else's. I could, yeah. Yeah. Can see that. All right. <laughs> but, but it's like, but it's like uh, I also get that because you know it's like. <laughs> my number one is Odin Sphere. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Cause like, I, but I understand that because it's like on a technical level. Like I chose GTA Three because of what it meant to me, and it's the one I always gravitate towards. But when I think about like the best one I've probably played was Four. Yeah. But but like ultimately three just like means so much more. It's like yeah, games can be better on a technical level, but it's what they mean to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so. yeah. And I think Persona Three Portable is just the best of what Persona 3 had to offer. And Mm -hmm. I remember when Persona 3 came into the store because I didn't know anything about it because around that time, I wasn't really reading a lot of like video game publications anymore Mm -hmm. because I was mostly like a Nintendo Power girl. And I remember coming into the store and Steven was like, you're going to like this game. (laughs) I was like, okay, the art style looks cool, but it also like looks a little like weird. Why will I like it? And he was like, you can like date other characters. There's social links. (laughs) I was like, sign me the fuck up. Yeah. So Persona 3, I had such strong feelings about, but I never beat the original Persona 3 and I never even picked up Fest because I knew it was just going to be more of the same right i would have the same problems that i had initially with persona 3 so i didn't pick it up but then persona 3 portable came out with the total team control and you could play as a girl and what? there are new social links and i can date the boys now and also <laughs> there's no like you can date all of them it doesn't matter yeah, yeah, so yeah. on my full playthrough no i was like i'm dating everybody and it was just <laughs> it was so good i loved all the new social links as well like with the volleyball slash tennis player and also um, the librarian, Sayori, uh, she's just, she, <laughs> she's basically also a love interest. She's great. Um, yeah, and I actually beat it finally nice. on there you go. PSP, and it just, it was such a great experience from start to finish. It also, like, it has a really good twist in the middle that's, like, really dark and spooky, mm-hmm. and, well, the whole game really feels dark and spooky. So, um, yeah, Persona 3 Portable. 
I like how great. there are certain games that are making our list because it's like, we actually finished this one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I knew I liked it that much because I played it all the way to the end. <laughs> exactly. And Persona 3 Portable is one of those games. That well, let me tell you, Final Fantasy VII has a pretty sick dating sim part to it, too. <laughs> I know. And you I can felt, go on a date with Baird if you want. I so felt so, so strongly about that part, too, which made the end of disc one that much more yeah. upsetting. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's my number 10. My number nine is Final Fantasy IV on the Super Nintendo. Yes. Because it was really, I don't want to say it was my first RPG, but it, it might have been. And it's the one that I've played like so many times, countless times. So I know that story like the back yeah. of my hand. It's I could tell it to you right now, but um, I'm not. Uh, the sprites in it are also beautiful. And in a lot of ways, I like the sprites better in the original four than I do even for six or, you know, two and mm-hmm. three. I I think I just like them a little bit more. The music, mm-hmm. gorgeous. Like it, nothing touches um, melody of loot or whatever. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And, yeah, and also just like... You know, the impact of this game is Final Fantasy as a franchise, you know, because we only really had the first one here and we missed two and three. So right. this one launched as two here in the United States and it was like, oh, you don't just like select what class you want and name them anything. Like yeah, it's a, is, it's its own who your story and is. who your characters are and are they have different jobs, uh, <laughs> like styles and, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it's such a unique and good game. Yeah, and talking about characters that die best. as well. Yeah. Like some of the best characters in this game. Yeah. And yes, there is a major character death in this one too. Yeah. Which again, I a think a quirky, kinda... lovable character. Yeah. And you're like, why would you do this? But you know, as you get older you see maybe a little bit of like uh like I could see also I think that's what, like as I've played this I'd have done it too. One. Yeah, putting everything on the line just yeah, for I revenge. Mean, yeah, I, yeah, sure. Playing this game like as I've you know, obviously played as a child and then I played as an adult. Um like the you know it doesn't seem as dark as it is because it's super nintendo and sprites and a lot of the music is kind of you know jaunty in a lot of ways but playing it as an older adult you're like this is pretty dark a lot of the stuff in this game like yeah it really is it's it's a very bold story it's telling and my favorite part about storytelling of older games as well is that you know they didn't have as much that they could do there was no voice acting so you can't tell the emotion or anything like that but they would have to show it through just movement of these little sprites so you know if a character like turns and like looks at the wall you can tell that they're very contemplative of something or like they're upset about something happening you know if you see the little sprite squish a little bit looks like they're looking down so it's all of these like ways that they did storytelling back then that are so unique like we I don't know. We don't really have that as much anymore where it's just up to interpretation. Yeah, because, you know, bringing Sea of Stars up again, you know, yep. even even games like that that are very heavily pixel-based and sprite-looking, like the detail in it is there. Yeah, exactly. So you it's can like, see you know, emotion still in the yeah, faces, it's, whereas like you know, for a Super Nintendo game. Something as unique as like mm-hmm. Final yeah. Fantasy IV. And obviously, these characters mean a lot to me because my cat's name is Cecil. I love so. that. Like, these are some of the best Final Fantasy characters. Right, yes. yeah. Like, 100%. Rydia, so good. Like, oh, yes. uh, just, mm, yeah. yeah, the boss fights in this game are incredible. Yeah. And again, the sprites are beautiful. Man, playing, like, 
fighting edge's parents yeah right after they've turned into the monsters demons? like they turn into demons like and then at the end of the fight they like regain their consciousness and they're like please kill us yeah, because, exactly they yeah. ask you to kill them like it's, so it's fucked up y'all dark and moving and like i don't know yeah, yeah that's a great it's game. sad and good maybe this is what started my like love for things that are so tragic and sad but like bittersweet <laughs> because final fantasy 4 is my number nine and i can't see it i could see it moving up in my list but i can never see it ever dropping from from a top 10 for me for sure um my number eight is pop and music for nice. the arcade nice. and i had to give a nod to this game because anytime i go into a japanese arcade the first machine that i want to play is pop and music because i want to know what's new and i want to know like what i want to see other people playing yeah. it as well because it's just fun to watch other people play and I don't know. It's a game that I didn't know anything about, but GameWare got Poppin' 8, and I just Broken. fell in love with it. It showed up falling apart. It did. It did. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We had to, like, tape it. We literally taped it together. Like, yeah. The side of the cabinet was, was going to... That was a disaster. But there was no Poppin' Music machine, like, in the United States that was as loved as that one. Like, by our community, our oh, small community. Like we, it was just, it was a beloved game for GameWare. And we, we got it out of selfishness because we were sick of driving to Austin to play Poppin' Music <laughs> and convinced the store owner to buy a Poppin' Music machine. It did, it did well yeah. for the store. I, yeah. No, it actually, I don't, I don't know if it did. It did fine. We're playing it, we're not paying to play it because it was us. Well, it's fine. <laughs> well, they would, no, it would, they would put money in there and be like, this is fun. And then they would leave. But, you know, I think it did well in that it had like a pretty good following, at least for a while there it did. Like outside of like us, you know, like they're, you know, well, I guess there's still people who like knew, like associated with and us, us being good at it. It was like good advertisement for the game itself is the same way with DDR that someone you get someone on the pads that's really yeah. good or get someone on the game that's really good and it draws a crowd and then more people are like, well, I want to try this. Yeah. I want to do that. That looks cool. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, pop and music. And if I had to pick a version, it would be, I guess, the most recent version that GameWare had had, just because I haven't... Was that called Fantasia? I mean, uh, yeah, I think so. Phantomix. Fan, yeah, something. Know, but it it just... Poppin' does a really good job of like like retaining all of the music that they've had, also. Like all of my favorite original Poppin' songs. Yeah, not the they might not stuff. always yeah, keep the licensed stuff, but... Their original songs are amazing. And they usually try to do a little something new, but for the most part, they keep they keep it all the same. Mm -hmm. And they've made it much more accessible in that, like, the charts on the early versions are very difficult. And they've, like, just made it a bit more <laughs> thinking, like, oh, maybe people's hands don't really move like this. They so. don't. So. <laughs> <laughs> they <Yeah>. don't. Newsflash. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, I love having to press seven buttons at once, right? And then do a cascade from the. You right have to be like an the... NBA player to like. <laughs> <laughs> I need like finger extensions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Papa Music is my number eight. Nice. And my number seven, and I know y'all might call recency bias, but I have my reasons. It's Baldur's Gate three. Whoa! Hey, look, I Whoa. recency bias. <laughs> I, I understand it. I was wondering if this would make a list. Hey, just because oh, it's God. recent doesn't mean it's not a game of all time. Thank you. Yes, because honestly, if Baldur's Gate 3 did not exist, the original Baldur's Gate would still be fighting for a spot on my top 10. Sure. Mm -hmm. But this game just does everything that I loved about Baldur's Gate just and multiplies it. Everything about it is better, and it stays mm -hmm. true to the original, which I really like. And like sequels is... Keeping the spirit of the original while adding like 
good new yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, I like also the fact that there are dating as like dating some aspects in this game. Um, I love that. I love the design. Normally, like I like an anime style, but I like this fantasy style. Yeah. There's a lot of fantasy styles I don't really like. So like Skyrim, I don't really like any of the Elder Scrolls like mm-hmm. designs. So we have bad character models for one, but yes. <laughs> yeah, true, true. And um, I, like Demon Souls even, or like the, well, the Souls series. Right well, <laughs> I guess you can do Get anything that you want, but for the most part, like 99% of those, whenever you have too much control over things like cheekbones and like chin length and <laughs> yeah, like eyes and stuff, you can make... Monster factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's how are you going to make a character model that looks even... Like if you want someone that's pretty, like in your, what you think is pretty, like... You How can't. are you going to make that? It's you can't. You can't. You can't. But in this game, it's like everyone's kind of pretty. Yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, um, and then also, I just love I love Dungeons and Dragons, and yes. this game is just Dungeons, is Dungeons and Dragons, and Dragons. Mm-hmm. a thousand times over. Yes. So it, yeah, well deserved. Date number kill seven em. spot. <laughs> <laughs> the game. Minthara, I'm sorry, you're dying because your Rip. armor has too much drip, and I need to put exactly, it on a stereo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Should have been wearing it. Number six. Genshin Impact. Wow. Okay. Yes, yeah. That's, yep. And um, you know, I before I started playing Genshin, I was very set on never starting another gotcha because I have this problem, which Uh-oh. I've maybe talked about, that I like whenever I see something that I really want, like I just don't give up until I get it, and that's not a good thing to have with gotcha games or even with any kind of gambling. So yes. I don't want to <laughs> say I have a low key gambling addiction, but. It's <laughs> but I do. But First I do. step to recovery, Renee, <laughs> is admitting you have a problem. Well, you know, it's all about, you know, your, the little chemicals in your brain. Yep. You, like, make yeah. your 10 wishes, and it gives you a little hit, and if you don't get what you want, well, it's just another 10, and you, maybe you'll get it. <laughs> so that's, five star. That's yeah. any... <laughs> Old Dresden, he did the same thing to us. Yep. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, but... um. Genshin probably would not have made my list if Sumeru didn't exist because mm-hmm. I feel like the first two acts um, in the first two regions are really good and then it drops off so sharply in the third, which mm-hmm. is Inazuma, um, yep. that the, the story is awful. And Genshin does have this problem and it still has this problem of where they have this incredible story to tell, but they don't know how to tell it. And I don't know if that's like... Um, because it's not, you know, a Western like telling or if it's not like a Japanese game, it's it's from China. And I've mm-hmm. never really experienced a lot of media from China. So it, it could be something like that. But anyway, Inazuma, not great. Sumeru was mm, it was top tier. It's such a good story and like really, it, I don't know, it's, it's really good. And this newest region, Fontaine, is also shaping up to be a really incredible like story and region. Um, problems that Genshin has obvious with the gotcha the fact that it's a gotcha game it at this point is like too large for me to really recommend people to play this game anymore oh yeah there's just too much many characters yeah there's too many characters and you'll get such a bad sense of FOMO that the Mm -hmm. way that the um like the wishing system works is that they only have two like limited banners running and that's for like 30 something days so now that you have a cast of I forty something characters so or something many. like that, you might not get to your favorite for a really long time. And while yeah. some people might say like, "Oh, you can save up your gems for them," it's still like it's a waiting game, right? Yeah, like you just gotta wait to hope that they put that character that you want to get in some rotation at some exactly. point. Exactly, and that's too many characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if you already have them, then too bad. <laughs> so at this point, I think unfortunately, I think it's just too late to start playing Genshin Impact, but. 
it's it's a really it's a great story if you played it just for the story like at least get through sumaru's like story and then you could really stop because it's <laughs> that's it's the best the end. so yeah genshin impact is my number six didn't break top uh five but it's hmm. it's well deserving in its spot because i've given it a lot of love and attention and i like i like it for the most part um my number five is Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Switch. Oh. And, um, you know, a lot of people, whenever they talk about Animal Crossing games, they're like, you know, oh, the, the gameplay just wasn't for me. Or like, I, I, you know, it's too much of a sandbox or something like that, and I can't figure out exactly what I want to do. And yes. maybe even Animal Crossing is the same way for me in a lot of ways, because I feel like I look at other people's islands and I get this feeling of like, oh, why didn't I think of designing it like that? Or, oh, I could never like spend that much time doing it. But for me, what my, makes Animal Crossing so special, um, especially this one, is the time that it came out and just for me, because not, not just had the pandemic started, but I like personally was going through a lot of stuff during that time and just having a game where there are these cute little characters like telling you that you're you're my best friend you're, like I yeah. like you I want to hang out I want to <laughs> hang out with you it's like someone wants to hang out with me <laughs> and I know that sounds so corny but it it meant so much to me yeah like, definitely that, that game does it's, I also just like really love that it's a game that you know, it, you can like claim FOMO or whatever, like with the mm -hmm. seasons changing and all that kind of stuff. But I, I love that there's really just no rush in playing yeah. this game. Like you can just play it at your own pace and that's it. That's it. Like my only other experience is the GameCube version and then the Switch version. So Hey, we played the DS one together. Didn't Remember? We? Yeah, whenever the DS version came out, we yeah, the we three of us bought it, and we like went and, and yeah. Man, I don't what? remember really? that at all. Oh, that's like one of my favorite GameWear memories. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't even realize I ever bought the DS it version. Meant nothing to me. <laughs> Check your shelves, buddy. It's there. Oh god, but but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely love New Horizons, and you know. I, I guess like when you read so much about like why people don't like it based on other Animal Crossings and I'm like well that's like one of the reasons I do yeah. really love this game like I love the self-contained island I you know uh, I, yeah I don't know and I, I think this game also is like very special to me too because it's like with Asher growing up and getting yeah. into video games and he's like seen it and he calls it town. So, oh, I love that. That's so, cute. so it's so like cute. whenever we're just sitting there, he's like, dad, dad, I want to play town. And like, he loves KK slider. And so it's just well like, one of our things is just logging on the switch at Saturday after six. And like, like I, I played the game cause um, I, I did, I finally got the, uh, what's it called? The terraforming. Oh yeah. The terraforming. And, uh, okay, okay. Cause I, I was never like good enough to get, like I was just throwing shit on my Island. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I finally got that and like got it to where like KK visits every Saturday now. So like, that's like one of me and Asher's things is like, we that's just cute. get together and like mm -hmm. go to the KK concert. <laughs> yep. Suggest a song for him to play. Yeah. It's so good. I think I've, have put hundreds and hundreds of hours into that game. It's probably my most played switch game. Yeah. So, yep, that's my number five. All well right. deserved. Um, my number four is Harvest Moon 64 for, for the Nintendo 64. Nice. <laughs> Good choice. Um, just, wow. Uh, really great Nintendo 64 game. Um, also, my, maybe my first game that had, like, dating sim aspects and, like, really kind of solidified, like, I like these yeah. kind of games. 
Like, I, they need to make more of them. And they have been. <laughs> and Don't it's worry, been, they did. It makes me so happy. Um, and it's all because of Harvest Moon 64, I feel. And it, it's funny because um, Nintendo Power, I didn't, like, buy this game and then play it and then read about it in Nintendo Power first. I read about it in Nintendo Power. And they had this, like, cute little section that was, like, about the little, like, romance candidates. And I would just, like, read them over and over and look at their cute little art and, like, draw their art, like, while I was supposed to be doing, like, math homework or something or, like, <laughs> in English class or whatever. And whenever I finally did get the game, it was, like, everything and more of, like, what I wanted. <laughs> and it was just, it was fun. Exceeded like, your expectations. Yes, a farming sim. Like, I tried, <laughs> like, mom was like, what kind of game is this? I'm like, you farm. It's great. You can date <laughs> the corn. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. But, yeah, I just, it is such a beloved game to me. Like, I would have friends that would come over, like, on a Friday night, and they would watch me play, or I'd be like, here, play a few days, like, in my farm. I think I have, so, I think... I can't remember if this game was like one one minute in the game is one second in like real time. That sounds right. But um, why not? I I think I have a play file where it's like ten years, so that's oh. like pretty oh, wow. significant. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, <laughs> and I just especially with my friend Liz, mm -hmm. I would play this game a lot, and um, just the cast of characters is really good. It's very real, as yeah. cute as it is. It's very real, and it's good, and it is well deserving of my number four. Nice. So nice. now we're into the top three. Oh, here we go. <laughs> My number three is Hakuoki, Stories of the Shinsengumi. Um, won't spend too Bless much you. time on this. Uh, <laughs> it's also my number three. Oh, my gosh. It's my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hakuoki is a dating sim and it's based on like this civil war era in Japan with this like group called the Shinsengumi that were kind of like the defenders of Kyoto basically um, so it follows those characters and I just I have such a soft spot for this game series specifically because it was my first visual novel like Otome game it came out on the PSP it was another game that Steven was like, here, buy this, you'll like it. And I was yeah. like, oh, cool, okay, I, I will buy this. All right. Um, and yeah, the PlayStation 3 version is really good because they they tend to re-release this game a lot. It's on like every system, lots of different versions. But the PS3 version is my favorite that we've gotten in America because it has this really cute little side story where the main character like has to like go undercover and she like dresses up as a geisha. And then there's like a really cute like story branching like... I don't know, segment where you can like get the different characters to kind of help you. And there's like different character CGs and it's just, it's a really cute story for all mm -hmm. of them. And it's the only one that we've gotten in America. Well, don't quote me on this because I don't know if the Vita versions have it, but um, it's the only version that I've played that has that. Okay. So yeah, it's really nice. cute and it's, it's so good. Like if you want to play like a historical romance <laughs> Who doesn't? with like fiction aspects, to it as well. Play Hakuoki. It's so good. It's worth it. It's worth it. My number two game now. Pokemon Black and White. Nice. Nintendo DS. Awesome. Because everything after this Pokemon game is shit. Disagree. <laughs> Just okay. kidding. Just kidding. There's at least one good one. <laughs> Black and White 2 is really good. <laughs> There's at least two good ones. <laughs> um, Just to me... I don't want to talk about the negatives of Pokemon, but this is the last game that really has the sprites. And mm. I, I, you know me, I, I really like my sprites. I do love sprites. And um, it's really cool because in this game, they had the addition of like the moving sprites. So they spent probably a ton of time and money on these beautiful <clears throat> sprites that like move and like a dynamic camera. 
and they just throw it away and they make 3D models that <laughs> I think they still use to this day in their games. Probably. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, Black and White also <laughs> was kind of the first game where I was like, oh, like, I didn't think about how Pokemon maybe don't want to be captured. I've been saying yeah, that like, the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Maybe. As a Pokemon, Steven himself does not like to be captured. He wants to be outside of his Pokeball. He's like Ash's Pikachu. Yeah. But um, yeah, and that that idea is really brought in the story. And it's the first like story in a Pokemon game that I paid attention to extra closely. Like, of course, I, I like Sapphire and Diamond. Um, or no, sorry. I like Sapphire and Ruby and um, Diamond, Diamond and Pearl, Pearl and yeah. Platinum because they, they also have good stories. But those, I feel, were like more about just, I don't know, getting into a, a more, I don't know, powerful like version of Pokemon, like at least like development wise. Mm -hmm. um, but Black and White just really took all of that and was like, we're going to add a really powerful, nice story and have really cute characters. I'm just, I'm so fond of these characters in this game. And I'm really fond of all the Pokemon in G Gen 5 as well. Mm -hmm. Whenever like they had the leaks, I guess, of like, these are all the new Pokemon on Cerebi. I like... I spent like an hour with uh, Vaughn <laughs> shitting on every single one. Uh, and I was like, and now I love them. Yeah, and now I love them so much. I was like, stupid garbage Pokemon. But now I'm like, I, I love Garbodor. <laughs> Garbodor. I love, you know, the ice cream one. I love sh the chandelier one. You know, I just, yeah. I'm Are they just like sitting around their office and just pointing, pointing at, at stuff? Pointing at something. Yeah, like, like, what like, is yes. Shelf. Yes, yes. Shoe Cabinet. Pokemon. Lamp. Table. <laughs> Table so, door. Yeah, um, Pokemon Black and White is my number two game, and I Good. I really I love that. I love oh. this. I love the I love series, the but I, I don't like the most recent ones. But you know what? Those games aren't for me. That's all I'll say you about know, it. I always have a chance to bring me. it back around. I feel that. Well, you know, it's, it's you know, snowball it goes down the hill. So they always have a chance <laughs> to bring it back around. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, and my number one comes as no surprise, and it's a game that I could really talk about for hours, but I only have a few minutes, is Odin Spear. Oh, it is Odin Spear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. for the PlayStation 4. This is the most perfect game to ever exist. Wow. The hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see it ever being removed from my number one spot. It's the best game ever created because it's got a beautiful narrative, it, the gameplay is so much fun and has something for everyone and just the art style is gorgeous so it's it's just got it all and I there's more I could say but honestly I just I want to keep this very simple and say this is a game that you should absolutely play because it's an experience from beginning to end and the way that all of the character stories kind of like intertwine with one another it's a very interesting way to tell a story because it's mm -hmm. told out of order based on whatever character you are playing. You don't swap from character to character. It's their experience in this world just in little chunks. Okay. What uh what makes it different cuz I've I've played the PS2 version mm -hmm. of Odin Sphere, but that's it. But like what makes the PS4 one So everything is uh it's just better. Uh, there's a lot more platforming in it, but nice. it's easy platforming and there's a lot more little hidden secrets and also like the way that you get all of the little hidden skills, like the, with the, oh man, what are the little power-up things called? Fozons or something? Um, the way that you get the skills is like unlocked through like the level now. Nice. So, and there's also like a big Much boss better. rush at the end that you can do as well. 
Um, yeah. This game is, you know, just fairly unique too, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's probably haven't played a game like Odin's Fear if you haven't played it, right? Because it's a side scroller RPG, and then the Hack map is slash. weird. Cooking like, simulator. yeah, it's got it yeah. all. <laughs> Cooking like... RPG elements, platforming elements. It kind of has like a little bit of all the best things. It's Vanillaware's master. I was gonna say it, it is this, their best game. This is like the the core. Like this is what Vanillaware is. Like yes, you play this, and then you'll understand any other Vanillaware game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen and I met George Kamatani. And like we, of course, the one message we had was we love Odin Sphere. Yeah, and yeah. he said everyone's, everyone's <laughs> yeah, everyone loves. He was it. there How about to promote... an original thought. <laughs> yeah, come on, I know it's awesome. Yeah. I he, like, made it. As he signs like the Miramasa poster for us, he's yeah. like everyone says that. I love Miramasa. I love. It. Come on. Yeah, Miramasa, Miramasa is very good, but Odin Sphere is a masterpiece. Like yeah. it's mm. so good. It's it's the best game ever made. It's a perfect video game. Ooh, okay. It is the wow. perfect. There, we said that about no a few flaws. games. Like, yeah. Awesome. Well, that was a great list, Renee. Love Thank that you. list. Before we go to break, do you want to run it down 10 to 1 one more time? Yeah, let's go 10 to 1. Number 10, Persona 3 Portable. Number 9, Final Fantasy 4. Number 8, Poppin' Music. Number 7, Baldur's Gate 3. Number 6, Genshin Impact. Number 5, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number 4, Harvest Moon 64. Number 3, Hakuoki Stories of the Shinsengumi. Number 2, Pokemon Black and White. And number 1, Odin Sphere Lethrasir. Nice. Perfect. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear from you out there who submitted your lists to us. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks, me. And thanks to all of you who sent in your submissions of your top games of all time. Of course, it's fun for us to get together and discuss our favorite games, but it's so much fun to see what you, the listener out there, enjoy as well. So I'm going to kick things off with uh, some of our user submissions lists, and then we'll also hear from Renee later in the show to wrap things up. First thing, we're going to go to Bruno. Thank you so much, Bruno, for writing in. He lists his games uh, with no description, so I might throw in my own editorial and judge your list a little bit. At number 10, he has 007 GoldenEye. What a great multiplayer game, right? Being a 90s kid and getting together and playing split screen of this fantastic shooter on N64. Great pick at number 10. Number 9, God of War 3. Number 8, Bloodborne. Number 7, Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Thug 2, in my opinion, is the last great Tony Hawk game to come out until the one plus two remake uh came out a couple of years ago thug two that was that was peak tony hawk number six kingdom hearts two number five dbz budokai three that's a game that was always highly requested at the store and was such a rare find everyone loves and wanted some budokai three coming at number four bioshock one one of my favorite games Number three, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Number two, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Back-to-back Zelda games. Neil would be proud. And number one, The Last of Us, the original game. 
Thank you so much for writing in, Bruno. He says he loves the pod, and it truly impresses him how many different video games we talk about on a weekly basis. That's what we get for working in a video game store together for over a decade. Next up, we have friend of the show, Brandon Jolly, who sent in an audio submission. So take it away, Brandon. Hello, Gameware crew. What are the best games of all time? That's such a loaded question. So what I decided to do is just speak what comes directly to my brain when I first hear best games ever. For the sake of time, I'll only leave a few suggestions so I don't ramble on for 12 hours. The first game that comes to mind is an absolute timeless classic, pun intended. Chrono Trigger is mind-blowing how advanced it was for its time. The way they were able to bend and stretch the limitations of the Super Nintendo to achieve stunning visuals, engaging battle mechanics, an absolutely stellar soundtrack, and a well-paced narrative that cleverly uses time travel as a central mechanic is mind-blowing. Did I mention a cast of characters that are so interesting and well-developed that you'll constantly argue with yourself which three party members to bring along for the adventure? This game has heart, and it's not very long, which is a good thing because it encourages multiple playthroughs using a feature that it pretty much invented. You may have heard of it, New Game Plus. I guess that's what you get when you assemble the dream team of Akira Toriyama, Yuji Horii, Nobuo Uematsu, Hironobu Sakaguchi, Kazuhiko Aoki, and Yetsunori Mitsuda. There's a reason this game hasn't been remade. It doesn't need to be. And if you haven't done so already, play this game. It's as close to perfection as you can get when you talk about JRPGs. The next game I want to suggest coincidentally also has a time travel element, and that's Outer Wilds. Talk about an unforgettable experience. I'll speak cryptically because this game can be spoiled very easily, but what I can say is that Outer Wilds rewards players for their curiosity, initiative, and intuition. This game has zero combat, but it's not necessarily a quote-unquote walking simulator either. There's a multi-layered mystery to unravel in a small solar system that encourages you to explore, learn, and apply what you've learned to progress. There is no knowledge that is not power. This is a game you do not want to use a guide for, but instead, maybe consult a friend who has experienced it previously. This game has so many unforgettable moments and a DLC that further enhances the experience I also highly recommend. The only negative thing about this game is you can't experience it again like the first time through. Okay, last one. I'm going to cheat a little bit and recommend two games in one. God of War 2018 and its sequel, Ragnarok. I could go on for hours about the technical aspects of this game. It checks off all of the AAA standards, phenomenal music, gameplay, visuals, art direction, etc. But the passionate storytelling and the themes of parenthood is what really hits hard for me. There's a lot of things we can't control in our children, but there are some things that we can. Teaching them to be better than ourselves and in turn them teaching us to be better. This game, like Parenthood, is a roller coaster of emotions and I couldn't recommend it enough whether you're a parent or not. Now look, I could go on for hours, but I'll just leave you with these few suggestions. I could do a top 10. I don't want to go on for 12 hours. I could also go on about other games like Red Dead Redemption 2, Persona 5, Resident Evil 4, Earthbound, any number of Final Fantasy, Grand Theft Auto, numerous Zeldas. You you get the picture. But for the sake of time, I digress. Congratulations on 10 years, and here's to 10 more. Thank you again, Brandon, for sending that list in. You can catch Brandon on his own podcast, The Little Jolly Gamer Show, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Okay, up next, we have Jessica. Thank you so much, Jessica, for sending this list in. She says, hello, Gameware team. I'm submitting my top 10 list. I tried to put them in order, and it was pretty difficult, so it might not be 100% accurate, but here they are. 
Trust us, Jessica. We understand how difficult it is to list a top 10 game of all time list. So her list is not numbered. So I'm just going to read down at the top of the list. She has Banjo-Kazooie 64, as well as Super Mario 64, Dragon Age Origins, Elder Scrolls 4. Wow, so two, two Nintendo 64 games of that era and then two uh, Western RPGs. Solid. Rocket League. Animal Crossing New Horizons. Catherine Full Body. Catherine is such a fantastic game. What Remains of Edith Finch, which is also a fantastic game. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it if you're into strong narrative games. What Remains of Edith Finch. Red Ninja, as well as No One Lives Forever, with honorable mentions of Melatonin, NBA Street, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Thanks again, Jessica, for sending that list in. Up next, we have Weston. Weston says, Hi, Game War Express. My top 10 was literally too hard for me to rank. So here's my list in no particular order, aside from my two favorite games listed at number one. It really is hard to list top 10 uh, games. If you haven't done that and you're a big gaming fan, I recommend going through that exercise. It really makes you decide what you really enjoy. So here's Weston's list, starting in no particular order with Dark Souls, The Elder Scrolls III Morrowind, Hi-Fi Rush, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, Metroid Zero Mission, Devil May Cry 3, Doom Eternal, and then Metro 2033. And then he lists his two favorite games of all time, I guess this is a tie, between Ghost Trick Phantom Detective and Hollow Knight. So thank you for that list, Weston. He says, keep on great podcasting. We appreciate you sending that in. Up next, we have my loving sister, Alexa, who you've probably heard on this show recently. She sends in her top 10 list ranked with a little blurb. She says, hey, Game War Express. This list was a little difficult to put together, but without further ado, here it is. Number 10, Zoo Tycoon 2. This game and the original essentially define my childhood, she says. And it's true. I know that because I'm her brother. And number nine, she has Tekken Tag Tournament. She has two words, Tekken Bowl. Number eight, Stardew Valley. She says she loved Harvest Moon back to nature as a kid, and Stardew Valley won up that game completely. Her number seven game is Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Probably the first game I had ever beaten and played multiple times, she says. Number six, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Trials and Tribulations. That's the third game in that series, if you're unfamiliar. She says the final case of this game is incredible. Her number five game is Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. She says it's a choose-your-own-musical murder mystery starring Laura Bailey. She'll never stop listening to the game's four excellent soundtracks. If you want to hear more about Stray Gods, you can check out our earlier episode, which Alexa was on, and she talked a lot about the, her love of this game. At number four, she has Fire Emblem Awakening, saying that this was almost three houses, but she remembers Awakening had a huge impact on her when she finished it back in 2016. Also, Laura Bailey's in this one as well. At number three, she lists Pokemon Soul Silver. She says the best Pokemon game fight her and she will die on this hill and then also she has 
two games tied at number one. She says 1B, Final Fantasy 16. Personally, she loved the game, the story, the characters, and the combat. This was her game of the year until the next game she lists came out. Now they're co-game of the years and co-number ones. So her 1A game is Baldur's Gate 3. She says this is one of the most in-depth and incredible gaming experiences she's ever had. She's 160-something hours into it solo and still not finished with Act 3. Carlac is best girl. Keep up the great podcast content. Thank you so much, Alexa, for writing in and sending those games. It is tough trying to pick a favorite child, right? So two games, co-number ones, and co-game of the years this year. Solid list. Solid list. And finally, we have another audio submission from the godfather of Gameware himself, Mr. Scott Bezdek. For those newer to Gameware Express, Scott was the Steven of Gameware before Steven was the Steven of Gameware. He goes way back and has been featured on our podcast multiple times as our resident indie game expert. You'll probably hear from him again come Game of the Year time this year. But for our 10th anniversary show, I asked Scott to help expand his indie game knowledge with us and share his top 10 indie games of all time. So before I send it back to us, and Renee will have the next break sharing of more user-submitted lists, let's let Scott take it away, and we'll be back soon with more Gameware Express. All you, Scott. Hey, Gameware crew. It's your old pal, Scott Bezdek. Gameware employee 0002 calling in to congratulate you guys and one Miss Queen Nay on your 10 year anniversary of the podcast. I really miss seeing you guys in real life. So having y'all talk about games in my ears every week is almost as good. To celebrate the occasion, I'm offering up my 10 favorite indie games of all time. Before I start, I would like to state that my first attempt at this list was a little more diverse than my final list. Uh, I was trying to include a variety of genres, but when I really thought about the question, what is my favorite, I realized my favorites are really the games I never stopped thinking about. They really hit hard when I played them, but it's the fact that they kind of linger and stick around and haunt my headspace. So here are my 10 favorite indie games of all time. Number 10 is a game called Mias Mata, released by Ion FX in 2012. This is basically a survival horror game where you're stranded on an island. It's just you and one monster, and you're trying to find a cure for a disease and escape while being hunted. It's horrifying and brilliant. It's also notable for its truly unique way of uncovering the game map. It's very much a hidden gem. My number nine is 2022's Tunic from developer Andrew Sheldice. This brilliant mix of old school Zelda sprinkled with some Dark Souls combat and difficulty received a lot of praise when it came out last year, and deservedly so, but it was the incredibly deep puzzles that put it over the top for me. I think this game will be studied for years for its incredible game design. Number 8 is 2013's The Stanley Parable by Galactic Cafe. Originally released in 2011 as a Half-Life mod, but then redone as a full game and later released to Steam, this first-person non-shooter is remarkable for its novel meta-narration that happens while you play. I'm not even sure how to define it or explain it, but it's incredibly funny and thought-provoking. Also worth mentioning is that last year an Ultra Deluxe Edition was released that secretly had the sequel hidden inside of it. Well, kind of. 
My number seven is Team Cherry's 2017 Masterpiece Metroidvania Hollow Knight. I don't know if it's the art, the masterful controls, the hard Dark Souls inspired combat, the music, the button system that allows you to experiment with builds, or a combination of all of the above that makes this top of the class. All I know is I was obsessed with it when I was playing it. It's revered for a reason. Number six is 2016's Hyper Light Drifter by Heart Machine. This pixel art Zelda inspired action adventure game is such a wonderful mix of gameplay and art. The combat is fantastic, but the world building and art is what sets it apart. The designer of this game has a heart condition that he has lived with his whole life, and his fears of death are embedded in every aspect of this game. In a way, it's like playing through a living diary. It's truly inspiring. Number five is The Outer Wilds, released in 2019 by Mobius Digital. This loop game where you have 22 minutes to fly through a solar system of planets to stop the universe from exploding is unlike any game I've ever played. I could ramble on about the story, the mysteries, the atmosphere, but I'll tell you of a moment where I was on a mountain located on a planet full of tornadoes, and I could tell by the music my 22 minutes was almost up, so I knew the universe was about to explode. I was in a position where I knew I couldn't solve anything, or get to the next goal even. So I sat there on the mountain, looked up at the sky, and I watched the universe die in a fiery explosion. And it's a moment I will never forget. Number four is Jonathan Blow's 2016 masterpiece, The Witness. Everyone knows The Witness, I assume. The only thing I will say about it is that I lived, breathed, and dreamed line puzzles for the month I played this game. I will also never forget how the puzzles in this game became tangible, physical objects in my life. I was taking pictures or drawing the puzzles on real paper and putting them up on chalkboards in my house, just trying to see them from a different perspective. That, and also sharing almost daily texts and pictures with Neil and Katie. We were constantly comparing notes in progress. It was a breathtaking world and I loved sharing it with my friends. My number three is Playdead's 2016 game, Inside. Another game that most people are familiar with. What a dark little puzzle platformer. Rather it be the sound bridge of death, or controlling dead bodies with brain worms, or the giant human meatball. This game has unforgettable moment after unforgettable moment. It's a game that I think about several times a year. What can I say? I love me some dark weird stuff. Number 2. In 2013, solo developer Alexander Bruce released Antichamber. This is a non-Euclidean first-person puzzle game, which means the geometry of the world doesn't follow normal physics, and the world shifts around you. If you're staring at a door and you take your eyes away, when you turn back, that door might not be there anymore. I can't do justice to the brilliance of this game. What I can do is point you to a GDC talk that Alexander Bruce did about how the seven years it took him to make this game broke him mentally. It's an incredible look into an artist who has an idea that has to be expressed and what toll it takes to manifest that idea. It's heartbreaking and beautiful. He hasn't made a game since, but I'm glad to say he recently announced he's back and working on his next project. And my number one indie game of all time, actually, my number one game of all time, period. It's Polytron's 2012 gem of a game, Fez. I've been screaming about this game to anyone who will listen since it launched. I can't even begin to express what this game means to me. It's the perfect mixture of game, art, and music. This was the first game that I loved so much that I went online and found a community that just wanted to talk about it. In this community, people were taking away files from the soundtrack and using spectrographs to find hidden clues. People were noticing flashing patterns in the game and using binary code to find answers to riddles. To this day, fans still think there are still unsolved mysteries, and a few are still taking cracks at it. To me, this game reminds me of my favorite music. I can feel the imprint of the artist's soul in every pixel and sound when I play. When I play Fez, 
We are in dialogue. We are connected. It's a wonderful human feeling. It's why I listen to music. It's why I play games. It's to feel like I'm part of something. So that's it. That's my favorite indie games of all time. Again, congrats on 10 years, and I can't wait for many, many more years of that sweet, sweet sound of the Gamer Express rolling in. And welcome back to the Gameware Express 10th anniversary special. We're counting down top 10 games of all times from all of us. And up next is me. Whoa! Whoa! You planned it that way. I know, right? The randomizer put me third. Number 10. I have Tetris effects. Nice. On PS4, Tetris (laughs) is one of those games that people argue is a perfect game. It's really old and you've played it on everything. So what if I added some neon lights and some dope as fuck music, and you just play more Tetris? It worked for Pac-Man. It did, and now we're here hey, because here we uh, Tetris Effect was so neat and such a unique experience, and I loved playing it because it helped me, kind of like what Renee was saying on her list, like when I was going through some difficult times, just blocking out the world, playing a simple puzzle game, with like cool lights and cool music, like just helped me remove myself from the rest of the world. Yeah, and it was such a great experience, both on the TV and in VR. Like oh, VR cool. is like a whole yeah. new way to play that game if you can have like a good setup. Because I tried playing it on my HTC Vive, and it looked okay. But once I had my PSVR two with the OLED screens, it was like I was there like in it and that's like so cool of an experience so yeah plus another thing too is like i think a few of us are fan of mizuguchi's games throughout his career Mm -hmm. and you know before this game ever came out like there was plenty of interviews about him where he was like my dream is to make a tetris game Mm -hmm. and he finally did he did it and he (laughs) did not fuck up no that's (laughs) really sweet nailed it he delivered, and if you haven't experienced this, like, please do turn on the light. Like, it, get nice and dark, nighttime. Turn the lights off, just the TV. It's an experience. Turn your system up. If you have yeah. headphones, good headphones, put those on. If not, mm-hmm. just turn the system up. It's it's fantastic time. Do recommend. Number nine, I have Batman: Arkham Asylum. See, this kind of this teetered around my list a little bit. It's you know definitely a personal pick. Any okay, so like these last two or three picks for me could have been like ten different games. Sure, if I said that on the air earlier or when we were just chatting beforehand. But Batman is my favorite superhero. You know, obviously all that media coming up to this point because Arkham Asylum came out in '09, I think. So Dark Knight had just come out in '08. We had Batman the Animated Series, like you know, dominating that that uh, piece of media, I guess, back in the '90s. And this is like the culmination of that because we have Kevin Conroy. Yep. Mark Hamill coming back to voice Batman and Joker. It's such a great, um, like Metroid style game. Sure. Where you're just mm-hmm. exploring the asylum. Certain areas are blocked off until you get other power ups or other weapons or other gadgets. Yeah. And there's so many, of course, Batman history villain Easter eggs that you can find as you're exploring. And some would argue City, Arkham City, is like the best of Rocksteady's Batman games, but Asylum just. I like the self-contained... It's so compact. Yes, of Asylum as opposed to the more open-world city because, kind of like we talked about with Katamari, like, everything felt necessary. Like, it just yeah. felt very dense and, like, there was no wasted time or space. Say, there's no, like, extra fat on it. It's exactly. very lean. Like, you get, like, everything you need is there in that game to enjoy it. Plus, I mean, ever since then, more games have taken the Batman-style combat, that free-flow, 
simple like two sure. three button combat and that's you know paved the way for other games also the the stealth parts where you're sneaking up and drop dropping down yep. on villains and trying to scare them and, and take them all out that was in spider-man i would say it's about yes, to be in a yeah. game that comes out like next week exactly it's gonna so, be there like this game was great in of itself i'm a huge batman fan but it also paved the way for like other games the next decade to like take yep. stuff from number nine on the list this was also a game like i remember at the time you know in in an era of like hey a movie's coming out we have to have a video game yeah. to go with mm-hmm. it so a game is developed in six to eight months and it's always shit yep like so this was a game that i remember specifically not coming out That's at the point. time of a batman movie mm-hmm. and it proved like hey if you just make a good game it'll sell that's, that's yes. something I never thought of. That's a great point. Because back then, yes, like every single movie had yeah. to have a game. Certainly a superhero game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like who all remembers the Batman Begins game on PS2? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it is. Exactly. Oh, that well, game is rough. I did play that one, and Most it was not good. I know it was a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think I played the GameCube are, version. The box <laughs> art just looks like it is the movie also. It really so. does. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. And I think just because growing up with the animated series and having a lot of those voice actors come back just mm-hmm. made it feel like, this is Batman. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. it, it was the game that honestly got me into Batman. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, like, mm-hmm. I was not a huge Batman fan, and mm-hmm. I've tried to play City, and I haven't played Night, but uh, Asylum, Asylum, I've played, yeah. I've played like three or four times. You're yeah. fine. No, exactly. Just play <laughs> I got to say, prior to this game coming out, uh, knowing that this was Rocksteady's studio's second game. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, um, I don't think anybody played Urban Chaos. Urban yeah. Chaos. No. So, like, leading I up have. to this, I was like, oh, I mean, is this going to be any good? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. this, this, these people have never made a good game, but this is only their second game. Yep. And yeah. really good. I played, really good. I played Urban Chaos after playing Asylum. Because it was something, I believe, a conversation you and I had. <laughs> and so I went back and played Urban what Chaos. What is that? So it, it's, a, it's a riot police game that plays plays like Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> so it's actually really fun. It's just like, you know, they just took this engine and just put and, Batman and in put it. Batman in yeah. it and it made it way better. Easy. <laughs> oh yeah, so obviously great game Batman Arkham Asylum. Number 8, another perfect video game. Portal. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Paving the way in 2007. Mm-hmm. The only bad thing you can say about Portal is it's too short and you this want one. more. And what- I'd, I'd argue no. Mm-hmm. The yes. length is perfect. I agree. You, it's because... And Portal 2 came out, and Portal 2 was awesome, yeah. right? And some would argue Portal 2 is a better game. Mm-hmm. But to me, when Portal came out in 2007, as part of the orange box, where yeah. everyone mostly yeah. bought that for Half-Life 2, right? Yep. And this little puzzle game that really warped your brain and made you think you're the most stupid person in the world until you all of a sudden become the smartest person in the world because you figured it out. Yeah. It's such a good feeling. And like it, it, it was a meme before memes were memes, right? Like yeah. the cake is a lie was everywhere yeah. in pop culture. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. portal, this itty bitty thing made by, I think students at the time included in this other greater package. Yeah. It's such a fantastic and game. It's so iconic now. And, right? Exactly, yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll just go on record and say, like, Half-Life 2 and Portal were two games that I, I fought with mm-hmm. on putting on my list. Yeah, I, right. Um, and Portal was incredible because being a Half-Life fan, mm-hmm. seeing a game come from the competitor lab. Right, exactly. And, like, knowing the lore behind Half-Life and Half-Life 2 and knowing Aperture Science and then, like, the beauty of the ending credit song just due to that <laughs> is just oh man portal is i agree a a perfect video game 
yeah, it, it's it's one of those where I almost wanted to put up higher on my list, but it's just everything after Portal are things that are like more near and dear to me while also being fantastic video games. Not that Portal isn't, you know what I'm saying? Sure, but right. like, uh, Portal is very good. Uh, moving on to number seven, uh, Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64, the okay. original one. Well, fun. My favorite Smash game. The sure. one I put the most hours into back yeah. in college with all my old roommates because oh, that's yeah. all we did. And I was very good with Kirby. Um, and every other game that's come out since then keeps adding more and more to it and obviously making them bigger and bigger experiences. But I loved the simplicity I of agree. the first game. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, just because it, it's so much now. It's like it's like Pokemon now. There's so many. I don't yeah. really know a lot of the newer ones, but I know the ones from back then and well, the original eight or 12 characters in, the, in Smash 64. Like, yeah. that was so... Even going all the way back to, like, what, I guess I was nine when that came out? Yeah, yeah something around there. And yeah. the advertisements <laughs> so of good. them dressed in the mascot outfits to, you know... Beating each other up. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yep. Turtles, so happy um, together. Yeah. And also just, you know, the fact that this game, too, like, with it being kind of like a, a multiverse mashup... And exactly. Nintendo having all of these, like, great worlds that they were able to bring together and put into this fighting like, game. perfectly so. Yeah, and, and then also, like, at the time, you know, this was the first time we got to see like Samus in 3D mm-hmm. and like seeing all these characters in 3D was just so incredible. Yeah. yeah. Star Fox was out of his ship. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm and always, you fought on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a sucker for mashups. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I can't think back to if I'm a sucker for mashups because I loved smash brothers and that set that off. Or if I liked that before then smash brothers, yeah. that's why I liked it so much. Cause it was the first one that really did stuff like that. Um, and even going back and playing it now, like I still pick up yeah. the controller and like spike you with Kirby, mm-hmm. like yeah. Out. Like, and then you think back in the day, like playing this, it's like, man, what if like Nintendo somehow got like Pac Man in here? <laughs> what if like we get what Mega if Man? Sonic was on here. Yeah. What if we get to see that beautiful butt of Solid Snake one day? <laughs> uh, so yes, a lot of other Smash games came out that people might argue are better, but Smash sixty four is number seven on my list. For number six, I didn't want to feel left out from the rest of the cast, so my number six is Final Fantasy X. Nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, amazing game. On PlayStation 2, when I played Arguably that Arguably was... a prequel to Final Fantasy VII. Really? Oh. Yeah, there, there's a bunch of mashups like, uh, where, where there is a huge theory that these two do take place in these same I want to read more about that. Watched a video on YouTube with Linkin Park playing in the background. <laughs> it's like a mix-up between those two games, so that I think you're correct. I yeah. think it's true. I downloaded that on LimeWire, yes. actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I never played 7, you know, growing up. I started with 8 and played 8, 9, into 10. And while 9 is a fantastic game... Uh, 10 just really elevated things being on the PS2 in terms mm-hmm. of, at least for me when I was 12 years old, visually, like narratively. The voice acting. The voice yes. acting. The iconic <laughs> scene, exactly. <laughs> but the combat was really neat. Uh, all the characters were really gripping. Blitzball is my favorite Final Fantasy That's side game. Right. It is to this day the best Final Fantasy. Uh, it, it's the best way they've ever handled summons. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes. yes, that was really neat. I got all of the ultimate weapons. Mm-hmm. Like I played the fuck out of this game, yeah. like over a hundred hours lightning. way back when. How did you get through that chocobo? Like, oh, the, zero, zero, zero. the chocobo is not as hard as the lightning is. That's, yeah, the lightning really? fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> the chocobo is a pain in the ass. Too. Yeah, it, it's uh, frustrating, but not as annoying as the lightning. Mm-hmm. Dodge. It, I I still have memories to this day of being angry at the chocobo race yeah. trying to get that time yeah. at zero 
I think the only thing I do not like about Final Fantasy X is the fact that every single character is voiced and has a name, but you get to pick the name of Titus, so it's like never said. Oh yeah, and I like like for yeah. some reason that bothers that me dumb. so much. Things like but... that bother me too. <laughs> well, the, because in the previous games you couldn't name more of them, but I guess they wanted to keep that for one, but because it was voice yeah. acted. But yeah, yeah. oh man, you just... name your summons too. Mm-hmm. You could yeah, and my favorite thing is as you're going around the town. You can find blitzball players just out in the wild yep. and yeah. recruit them to your team. Yeah, I love a data mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Soikiden. And this game too, just like visually holds up so well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, the remasters look great, but like even on PlayStation Two, like playing the original game, like it looks so good. I actually hate the remaster the way it looks. The original is it has like, like this it, weird yeah. original is good. Original film is good. thing over it, like all yeah. the character. Yeah, it looks strange the yeah. way they redid it. Um, moving into my top five. Here we go. Ooh. Uh, Catherine. Nice. Oh. What? Really? On PS3. Okay, okay. Specifically, nice. Catherine on PS3. Not, mm. not full body. Mm-hmm. Because the, 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 the dynamic between C. Catherine and K. Catherine in the story I thought was stronger when it was just two of them. Catherine is such a strange game. Like, I, I played it at E3 2011, my first E3. And because uh, based on I think Vaughn's recommendation, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I'm this dude in his underwear climbing up this block tower while like a vagina monster chases me with yeah. ram horns. <laughs> with another ram one horns. of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is this? The '80s all over again? <laughs> and I instantly fell in love because it was so weird and quirky. Because it's this weird uh, action adventure platforming horror dating sim RPG from Japan, and I didn't. Real like it is also. I'd played Persona Three at this point, and I knew it was that team, or you know, it was coming from Atlas. So I, I had to check it out, and immediately fell in love. Um, so many unique things it does that I hadn't experienced in like video gaming prior to this. Um, where it's something I always recommended at GameWare when people were coming in wanting something different. I was like, play Catherine. This is very different. Yep. Like <laughs> it's going to be very weird, Nothing but trust like me, it. it's 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 really good. You know, the the, the biggest downside to original Catherine that full body did fix was some of the leveling and platforming when you lose or die is very frustrating and be able to easily just undo if you fall off like a slippery slope and full Mm -hmm. body made that gameplay easier but I'd argue the difficulty is what helped make that game for me originally because while the it it is easier for those quality of life changes for the gameplay and full body I thought full body's story was weaker so I would always prefer original Catherine or recommend original Catherine if you can play that. But Full Body is an excellent, you know, kind of remake and typically the Atlas thing they do, right? Such incredible voice acting, yes. too. Mm-hmm. Troy Baker. Oh, yes. It's great. Um, similarly, moving into number four. Ooh. Oh. I have Persona 5. Nice. Slash Royal. Wow. The Royal Edition. Because, yes, Persona 5 Royal is the definitive version of Persona 5, yes. but we wouldn't get there if we didn't have Persona 5. So anyway, I cut Persona 3 from my list because it was really hard to get 10 on here and I already had Persona representation. Right. Heard. But Persona 5 is so fucking good. So good. Yeah. So stylish. If you like RPGs in general, like you need to play this game and preferably the Royal Edition because it is the complete version with the longer story. and, and the, It just and, has more content and it, may, it, mm-hmm. it just has better quality of life changes too. Yes. The, the story, the voice acting, the music, the style, uh, the, the boss fights, the gameplay, the dungeon, exp- like all of it is top notch. I mean, all, all that is, is everything you just named is great, but even outside of just your standard RPG mechanics. Yeah. Like, 
again, you know, we talked about this in the last one, like the dating sim aspect, mm-hmm. like all those things. And, you know, again, the, the dating aspect, it's not just like, oh, we do fun dating aspect. Like it matters for how you're it playing the game matter, as well. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. how you prioritize the different people and just, again, it has like a Pokemon aspect to it. It's, like you got to mm-hmm. get the different persona and fuse them and mm-hmm. get new ones. It's, it's Final Fantasy meets per, like Pokemon. That's yeah. how I've always like, thought of persona and tried to simply explain it to people but i love the fact too that it's like an rpg in like the real world right you're yeah you don't have a like you have a potion you have like a drink like you have a soda or you have just like you know C-C I went and got lemon some, yeah it uses like the real world items as rpg items like and i always love that like earthbound did stuff like that mm-hmm. like the south park rpgs did stuff like that yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. i really appreciate and god Persona 5. Man, in my mm. little bit of time with that game, um, mm-hmm. I have to say, I forget the guy's name. I know he plays Red 13 and Final Fantasy VII Max Remake. Max Middleman. Yes, but mm-hmm. his voice acting for Sakamoto mm-hmm. was probably the best I've ever heard in a video game. Like, he just really brought that character to life. I hate, I hate the anime sidekick character, but he's probably... My yeah, favorite anime I love sidekick. Anime if, I had sidekick. To pick a, if I had to pick a favorite, you know, anime sidekick character, <laughs> it would be Ryuji. But Ryuji's I mean, great. Uh, it's one of those like, I. It was so hard not to put this game higher on my list. Mm-hmm. But my top three have been so ingrained in me as my top three for the past like fifteen plus years. Right. It was hard to like move that in, and so they're old games. Older, I mean. <laughs> Gross. But yeah, I mean, really Persona Five. That's like the, my most recent game coming in at number four. Um, coming in at number three, I had to pick one of them, and we talked about this before we recorded, but this is one of those picks where it's like when Return of the King won the Oscar, but it was really for like all of the movies yeah. together. Yeah. So my number three is Rock Band 2. Cool. Nice. Okay. When it should be the Rock Band franchise, because all those games kind of go together, but if I had to pick one out of all of them, it's Rock Band 2. Obviously, us all at this table, we still get together. We have regular rock band mm-hmm. parties. We do, yeah. We, I, I still have all my plastic instruments. When I was younger and in college, I was so far up rock band's ass. I'm surprised I still don't have a plastic guitar stuck in mine <laughs> because I played it so much. I bought all the songs and they came out. I was on the forums. I was always having friends over. I was introduced to so much new music through rock band, through Guitar Hero 1 and 2, I, mean, I guess 3, yeah. all, like all these harmonics games. And the only reason I'm really clinging on two is because I, I played it the most, but it also had the most robust like character creator and the best it like did. story mode when you're yeah. kind of going through and making a story and the reason why you're playing all these songs. Also, one thing like I remember about two that makes it so great was like you know like Rock Band expanded on Guitar Hero and like you had more instruments, which mm-hmm. was cool. But Rock Band two, like the ability to be like, hey, if you have that first disc and you put it in there, yeah, you can get the songs from that game it in here too. In. Yeah. <laughs> And that was just like, because that wasn't like DLC. Like we were used to DLC, but we had never really had something like that. Mm-hmm. You Where know? you just and that was you put it in the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. and that was so. Cool. I think we lost like a Metallica song or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially it was so different to what Activision, again. who had taken over Guitar Hero from three and on, was doing, which was just pumping out new discs. Yeah. Like Harmonix with Rock Band was building a platform. Yeah. Even to like Rock Band Four, I still have songs from Rock Band One back from two thousand and seven uh, in my game today that we still play. So Rock Band's always going to hold a special place in my heart, and Rock Band Two is the representation coming in at number three on my top ten list. Love, Love it. it. Number two, 
Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Aha. Wow. Um, that was going to be on there. This is one of those where if we were doing top franchises, Sonic probably wouldn't be on my list, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is one of those games just because since I was three years old and could pick up a Genesis controller because we were not a Nintendo household. My dad said Nintendo was stupid. <laughs> so we had a Sega Genesis. And I, when I was younger, I would watch my dad play Sonic 1. But then like Sonic 2 came out and I was like three or four and I was like, I'm going to play this. And it's just something I played so much. I think Sonic 3 is a better game, especially when you do and Knuckles and all yep, that. of course. But, like, Sonic 2 is the one that held that spot in my heart. Like, Chemical Plant Zone is some of my favorite music. I was about to and say, no no Sonic game has capitalized on Chemical Plant music. Exactly. Like, it is, it is, <laughs> Both it is the hands music, down the best in the franchise. <laughs> the music in that, and then just, like, that that level is also the most synonymous with me with the drowning sound that also everyone knows. Yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> a lot of great memories doing like the racing mode, like the two player mode in Sonic Two. You could do the competitive mode. So, then yeah, yeah, Sonic Two is one of those like every other couple years I'll load it up and just play it again and quickly realize how bad these games are the longer I keep going. <laughs> but Sonic Two coming in at number two on my list. And number one, shouldn't surprise anyone because we've talked about it recently on the show if you listen, but my top game of all time is Bioshock. There it uh, is. From 2007 as well. It really helped like change my brain on what video games could be back then because narrative shooters weren't a thing at all, really. No. Like, yeah. God, no. Especially one with such a good story, such a great built-in twist that you weren't wouldn't even be expecting and I think I think I told you there would be a twist in the game like where it comes from yeah, it comes out of nowhere the way they balance like solid like gunplay no destiny or titanfall but solid gunplay with you know the magic part of it as well powers. yeah exactly yeah. The, the way you can choose if you want to be like a good guy or a bad guy to harvest your resources and how that comes back to fight you in the end or reward you in the end depending on which way you choose the only thing that like is bad about this game is the boss fight. The final boss fight's pretty lacking and pretty lame. Uh, but you know, I would argue that for most games. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> hard, it's hard to wrap something up that way. Everything but. you've said about Bioshock mm-hmm. is exactly why a completely different game is on my list. Really, every <laughs> single thing you just—I can't said. wait to get to that. Then I'm curious. Uh, but it's Pong, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told it like a, whenever we talked about this a few weeks ago. But I mean, my my favorite, my my core memory from Bioshock is there's a corridor of enemies coming at me and there's an oil slick on the ground so I'm going to light it on fire and then they won't run through the fire because it's fire and I can shoot them and as I was trying to do that one of the enemies is like hey fucker I'm going to go around <laughs> this other room and flank you around the fire and all of a sudden something's attacking me and that like blew my little mind that like computer AI has gotten that far ahead but I mean yeah. just like that something was I thought I used the gameplay mechanic like I was supposed to to like and block them from coming and technically did and they still got around it and that was like so slick and so cool yeah um, yeah. If you haven't played Bioshock, I definitely recommend it. If you're into like shooters or narrative games or both, like... Bioshock is also really cool, and for all the reasons you mentioned, but it also has a very cool aesthetic to it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that like it's like this. I don't know. Like, what would you call for, that? It's like, like, it's like that in the fifties and the early sixties. It's, a, it's like futuristic thirties. Yeah, it, it very much mimics art uh, like nouveau, the art deco. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It, it very much mimics like uh, Batman the animated series. Yes. right. Mm-hmm. Like. A lot of that kind of... It's like uh, what the future looks like in the 50s. Yeah, Or exactly. what they think it would be. Basically, any ride at Disney World that's like... <laughs> yes, honestly, yeah. <laughs> like Exactly. Yeah, and also, like, you know, this game, too, just 
to me has one of the most incredible openings yeah. of a video yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. That's you what me. I played that demo of the demo yeah. and I was like, what is this? But it's just like that that idea of like, you know, you're just on a commercial airliner that mm-hmm. crashes in the middle of the ocean and then like you're able to swim to this island and then like right when you get in there, you know, it's just water dripping down from you opening the door and the, the like radio music that's playing mm-hmm. and the lights down coming the- on and man, it's oh, no God, no King is the only man. So good. Plus like the big daddy is like now one of the most iconic pieces of mm-hmm. like video game-ness out there. When you knew that fight was coming, you're like, Oh fuck! I gotta, like, <laughs> gear up and get ready yeah, to go to my, war. That's my main in PlayStation All Stars. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, only plays Big Daddy. That is true. Also, He's on top only, of that, too, like the um, like the cinematic trailer before the game came out, like mm-hmm. where you're playing and you know it's all in first person, and all of a sudden, like the character gets killed in the trailer. Yeah, by yeah. the drill. drill just being yeah. drilled <laughs> through <laughs> their chest mm-hmm. was like just so cool. Um, I was most excited about this game because it was a spiritual successor to System Shock, yeah. which is like mm-hmm. one of the most impactful PC games sure. that yeah. is out there that I played when I was probably the age that you were when Bioshock came out. 18? Yeah. No, I was probably like 15. But, but still, yeah. Similar. So Bioshock, rounding out my top 10 list. Uh, another quick countdown. Number 10, Tetris Effect. Number 9, Batman Arkham Asylum. Number 8, Portal. Number seven, Super Smash Brothers on Nintendo 64. Number six, Final Fantasy X. Number five, Catherine. Number four, Persona 5 slash Royal. Number three, Rock Band 2. Number two, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And number one, Bioshock. And that's my top ten list. Good list. Yeah. Very good list. John Michael. Oh, I knew I was up next. What's your top ten list? All right, let's get started. <laughs> so, for me, coming in at number 10, Fallout 3. Okay. Wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah, on PS3. Okay. Fallout 3, I think, is a game for me that I didn't expect. I don't even think I expected it to originally end up on this list, but I had to keep thinking about <laughs> I, it. About I've heard you talk about Fallout 3 all the time. I know, right? <laughs> it's definitely a game that I think back on, and I'm like, man, I played a lot of Fallout 3, and... Mm-hmm. I really did, and I think it's just the level of, I don't know, when it came out, I hadn't really played anything quite like it at the time. Uh, it's something a lot about this post-apocalyptic world is one thing, but mashing it up, again, we talked about mashups here, mm-hmm. mashing it up with this 50 sensibility of like future tech, right? We just mm-hmm. talked about it, uh, which is also very interesting to me. Uh, you have a, an a juxtaposition of this soundtrack throughout the entire game, right? So you're just listening to old 50s standards and ditties while you're, like, shooting monster creatures in the face with a cool VAT system. Um, Everything in this game, like, you know, for all its flaws, just worked well for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just for whatever reason, it spoke to me at a perfect time. I got the platinum on this game. Wow. Uh, I think it was one of the first platinums I ever got. Um, just for the amount of, I just wanted to like see what more was in this. It's interesting. A lot of the times, I think most people would pick New Vegas over three. So what mm-hmm. what brings you back to three? You know, again, you know, we talk about a lot of our lists. Sometimes it's just what hit us at the right time That's in fair. our yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that New Vegas certainly has like interesting mechanics and like better storytelling throughout. But I don't. There's something about three that just really grip me the setting yeah, of it all just worked perfectly for me i don't think you can discredit <clears throat> impact sure when you when no. you first play a game it, like there may be a game later in a series that's better 
Exactly. But it's yeah. not going to hit you the same because it doesn't have the same impact. Well, that's exactly how you. the rest of this list is probably going to work for everyone. Yeah. So just <laughs> what Stephen just said, keep in mind as I read some of these other lists. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but the yeah, PS- Fallout 3. The PS3 version, did that come out after the 360 version? I can't remember. I think they launched at the same time. Oh, they did? Okay. I remember I got it from Gameware and I got the Lunchbox edition. So oh, cute. Yeah. So, uh, I have one of those laying around if anyone wants one. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I remember because we got the Lunchbox edition late. So I had to get the, Stephen let me get the standard edition Sparrow, first. Yeah. yeah until until the, the, the Lunchbox came in. So. That's cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why I loved it so much. Cool. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, number nine on my list is, um, I, well, I don't know. It's Tony Hawk's. Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake, I guess we'll Ooh, get that one. Yeah. <laughs> because nice. really, 1 and 2, I was like, well, do I pick 1? Do I pick 2? I was like, to. I don't have to because yeah. there's a game that encompasses both of them and adds more to it. Mm-hmm. So Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake because uh, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 are damn near perfect games. <laughs> um, what dumb, stupid games these are. To, like, I that's t- that they exist in the first place. Spell skate. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, the, this the level videotape. is a race. Sort <laughs> yeah, of. here you yes. go. So Go while forward. I haven't played one or two, I, that's like, the only, well, <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? So the only one I own and have played is 2X, which is Ooh. the, like, Xbox oh, okay. exclusive sure. version. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so, like, uh, like, I understand the love of Tony Hawk 2. Yeah. Just due to that. The, uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater had, like, I think, again, we talk about games that came out in perfect point in our life yep yeah this unlocked so much new musical potential for me in my life and probably like put the bumpers up on the lane for how i would like approach music going forward in my life Uh, it it also was like again speaking of the time it came out it had this weird like association always and it literally worked into the later games with like you know like the jackass crew yes and and pop culture with that of that it's so weird x games coming in in the early 2000s and like skateboarding and all that becoming more mainstream and, and you could eat gogurt on the go <laughs> yeah yogurt in a tube anywhere everything was extreme it's all extreme yeah and like i i think that's so what's great about the one and two remake is it doesn't like diminish any of that like it, it keeps it going, uh, but it looks way better. It, it looks great, and better. it has like most of the original soundtracks. All the ones you want, exactly. Yes, Goldfinger's on there, so that's important. Uh, Is there missing music in those games? I mean, maybe I like it was all in there. Tra- I think there's a maybe one or two tracks, and they also added like new tracks. The new Whoa. tracks are fantastic. They, yes, the new tracks they are newer, but they fit the feel. They feel like Tony Hawk yeah. music. Agreed. So I was playing this before I came over. <laughs> It's just Aww. I keep this on my PlayStation because if I've just like have some downtime and I'm like hey two minutes I, yeah if I'm between like major releases or something I don't mm-hmm. feel like playing much I just load up some Tony Hawk and just skate around go get some gaps whatever <laughs> so I, I love this game I Tony Hawk Two was really close to making my list yep. as well so yep the only thing that I think that would be better is the Tony Hawk Two on Dreamcast was like the other option for this. <laughs> And that's very specific, but I feel like I'm I can play the Dreamcast version better than this. Interesting. Okay, but because I, I had to I had a special like claw maneuver. That <laughs> yeah, I had. Right, 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 right. Yeah. The claw maneuver. It's weird that my most played Tony Hawk game is the Game Boy Advance. Tony it's also Hawk's also a pretty solid, it's really good. Which I'm pretty <laughs> like, sure it's the team really that good. made the remake, right? I don't know. Vicarious um, Visions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's number nine. So number. Eight uh, again could be several in the series, but I have chosen one specific one: Pokemon X. Ooh, oh, look okay. at Renee as he I know, says that. But there's a reason why. Okay. Uh, and Pokemon X is really and that's the other version. <laughs> <laughs> 
Pokemon X is uh, everything that Renee said about black and white is true and does keep it at the top of the Pokemon list. X for me is really where I started to truly learn competitive play for Pokemon and really solidified how much deeper these systems can go. Um, So for me, that's why it like ends up there is that like it, it, a, I, I found this new level of competitiveness and like what I can do within a Pokemon game and there's just something about playing X, and I don't know if it like had been so long since I had truly like fallen into a Pokemon game or something, but X also brought me back to the feelings of playing Red and Blue for the first time for yeah. whatever reason. Again, talk about perfect timing. Well, because they give you a Charizard. Like, that's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Red and Blue, I you know thought about putting here as well because those were just like fundamental games to who I am as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But they also don't hold up super well <laughs> like at this point in our lives. Um, I guess I could have picked Fire or Red or Leaf Green. <laughs> Maybe that's also it. But I don't know. There's something about X that like, I, I don't know. The setting, after they fixed that horrible patch where it broke everyone's game. Right, yeah. Um, once that was fixed, um, <laughs> I don't know. I liked the towns. I liked the setting. I know, again, they did get rid of the beautiful sprites. But um, I don't know. I still liked a lot of the new additions in this one. Yeah, and it felt fresh. Yeah, it's, it, it is it's, a good game. Yeah, I would it, say it's to me like X and Y was the first game in the next step of Pokemon. Yes, and Black and White was like the last, the like last, the last right. page I of think the previous chapter. Passing the baton. I think yeah. you said it baton right. Pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I had trick room up. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you said it spot on, Adam. I think this, why it felt like it was back to red and blue is because it was a fresh, it was a new era, right? We entered mm-hmm. this 3D era. Yeah. And it was something interesting and different in the Pokemon. And I think that's honestly maybe the last time we truly saw something like, oh, okay, we're moving in a, a brand new direction for Pokemon. And mm-hmm. then I think that's probably where we stagnated last. And about to say, it's just been downhill since then, I'd say. I forgot for a hot minute you got into competitive play. Oh, because yeah. I let you have my uh, Phantasma, my Gengar. I probably still have her. I, I see when Gengar. Yeah, then I need yeah. to give her back to you at some <laughs> oh, point. Well, so. you know, it's fine. She's in a good home. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, I feel like I, you know. Yeah, she, I think she's still on the competitive team I have on that cart. Because so. I see when Gengar. No one expects right? it. No, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's really good because once Gengar Cinderella, uses like, Icy Wind, anyone else's like speed stat is like lower than Gengar's. Yeah, yeah. I think I had her on so. come out like second. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's really so good. good early game. So, yeah. uh, great competitive scene in X. Yeah. X and Y. <laughs> Number seven. Uh, here's one. Another one that I didn't think that I was like would make my list, but I, I said it's a game that is constantly stuck in my head, and I'm always thinking about this game. Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, that's is... yeah. <laughs> I expected it to be on your list. This game is another game that might be almost a perfect game. Uh, it, it, you know, for me at least. This is a game where I would just, I'm okay. Like a lot of, I need a, a something to drive me forward in a game. Usually, um, it's why things like Animal Crossing don't really make my list because I have to like create my own narratives there. But there's just something about Ghost of Tsushima where I would just like, I don't know, I'm gonna go explore and just look at what's here. I had no rhyme or reason for the area I was going to next. I just wanted to see what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a game that you can just not like you. I've realized I've been sitting there for four minutes, not playing, just staring at like the skybox with like it's gorgeous the 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 flowers falling down and just like yeah. the wind blowing. Like, oh my god, it's gorgeous video game. I don't normally play with like the photo mode in a game or anything, but I spent more time in a photo mode in this game than any other <laughs> game I've ever played. It's just so good. The story's great, first mm-hmm. of all. Uh, characters are fantastic, and just like. 
the aesthetic, the, the, the everything about this, the music, the, and again, visually, it's great. There's no, there's no HUD. The, the, that, air, the, the arrow say, going over your head is, is the wind the, blows you in that the direction. Is when I like that clicked in my brain as to how that was guide the wind was guiding me to my objective i was like this is new like this is how a game should or like a yellow world. bird would come fly by you and they're like oh shit what if i follow that and like exactly follows you to like a little side quest it, it it's really so like natural as opposed to just being like bing here's like a ping on the map i've started yeah. doing this in real life and um, <laughs> yeah follow any yellow bird it's not getting me anywhere <laughs> no, it's, it's a huge waste of time uh that's because you're not when you're getting there you're not writing haikus right <laughs> you're forgetting to do that this part. game also has like one of my favorite title cards like it is it, it, yeah it's, you're like you once you like hit that open field and i don't know the screen goes wide and it's just like that's yeah. what's so cool about this game is that they have a kurosawa mode in it yeah <laughs> that just lends back to how the, the influences of this game work, right? You can play it in this like film grain black and white style that falls back to, you know, the old Japanese films of That's the really cool. period that it's trying to emulate in a lot of ways. It's it's the one like it's a game to me that I haven't finished because I I don't want, want to. to. And it's been like two years. I had to <laughs> since I, I had left played it because I, I, I keep saying like I want to go back and play it. And I'm like, but I don't want it to end. Yeah. I've gone back to and done the DLC. I've done the mm-hmm. weird multiplayer stuff that's pretty good too, but I've heard good things about yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's just such a good game that, you know, it's not one like some of these I've gone back and played over and over again. And I've played this like one real time, got the, again, platinum dit, did everything I could do in this game and still I can't wait to do more. And I for me, I was so excited because all these Assassin's Creed, uh, Assassin's Creed games kept coming out, yeah. and none of them were set in feudal Japan, and like that just seemed like an easy win. It, yeah, there and you it go. It was. Fucking then, you know, yeah, Sony shows up and does it, and yes, nailed it, nailed it, nailed in one. Yes, love Ghost of Tsushima. So that's number seven. Number six, we've talked about this one, Persona Five Royal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So again, um, I've talked extensively on this podcast about how I don't like anime games in general that they mm-hmm. don't really do it for me but we've also talked extensively <laughs> on this podcast about this specific game and mm-hmm. how good it is yeah um, because like you know anime tropes aside in this game it, it's so good like it's so <laughs> good and it, it kept me in like hooked for the 130 140 hours I put into this doing everything getting every persona i could you could even say 200 hours because you played the original that is true yes yeah so again i didn't finish the first one because but i did put a good 60 hours into it then came back and then truly put the you know again 130 140 into this one (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, because i had to do everything because it was good and the quality of life changes matter so much for, <laughs> from base to royal to, to to get me over to that next level of like I'm in it on this one mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about you know about what makes this game so great I don't have to repeat myself but uh, just the systems the talking about games that are just fucking cool yeah. yeah it's just fucking cool right like the music the art style the menus that pop up in this game <laughs> like everything's cool about this game it's got style uh mm-hmm. yeah it, it just oozes style so mm-hmm. it's a good use of red and black yeah oh. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i haven't seen good use of red and black since the nwo in w- <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah exactly that's on my list yeah <laughs> exactly we're being just all <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't I don't beat a dead horse, but Persona Five Royal coming in number six. 
Number five, I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet, but Diablo 2 is oh, okay. on this yeah. list. Yeah. All right, I got to change <laughs> Right? <laughs> Diablo 2 is a game that uh, I know I just said I spent probably 200 hours in Persona 5. Probably spent, I don't know, 300 hours in Diablo 2. Uh, this was like basically how I spent most of like my middle school years is just playing Diablo 2. Um, I don't know. Diablo 2 is five acts with the expansion. Uh, we'll count the expansion in this. And for some reason, that's enough for me to spend hours and hours for grinding <laughs> loot. Uh, I had to go get those Stones of Jordan, you know. Um, I had to get full sets. I don't know. I just had to keep playing more of this. Because mm-hmm. it's like Matt Cow level? <clears throat> yeah, yeah exactly. Let's say Moo Moo Farms. Mm-hmm. like iconic. Loot that matters. Yes. Not yeah. like yes. crap. Loot. Yeah, it wasn't just any loot. I had to go get good loot for my builds, like... I had to like kit out every class. Like it was just, you're just like I don't know. It's not that much to do in this game, but there's so much to do in this game. <laughs> how many Mephisto runs can I knock out in an afternoon? Right? Like, uh, how many? Like I, I'll just go put some mods on and like add more. Like, did you ever go put mods on where you could get people had mods where it's like extra like stats, like new things that you didn't see in the game. Like it would add mm. more stuff to things you could do. I don't know. There's just so much that I wanted to do in this game, and I, I don't know. It was just the how I spent my middle school years on <laughs> is playing this and getting loot and co-op. Did you do co-op? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course, of course. Yeah, I, I you know I played with strangers. I played with friends. Like you know. I've fell victim to scams in my young yeah, naive. Yeah. Like, oh, you just drop this. I'll give you this five back or something. Like, I know how to dupe items. Let me see it real quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, a lot of lessons learned in this game. <laughs> what was your go-to uh, class? Uh, I would say the for base, it was Amazon. Hell uh, yeah! And then I, I tried to, to do the assassin in the expansion, and I, I had a, a pretty solid assassin, but I think I just went back to assassin. I mean, Amazon Okay. after that. Nice. So, yeah, I love Amazon. So, yeah, number five with Diablo 2. Number four, a game we've already talked about. Final Fantasy 2 slash 4. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my <laughs> Yes, number four on my list. Uh, this is one of those that, again... Uh, is I was Super Nintendo was like these pivotal years for Joe Michael and learning how great RPG games are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that just again, we talked about it just the characters, uh, boss battles, everything about this game. Like, again, they're like, there's like true, like, you lose major characters in this game, they die. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, half two, two other ones sort of die for a minute there. Yep. Um, like, things happen in this game that, like, even as a kid, I was like, whoa, this is what's happening here? Are you about to put this in a video game? Like, I didn't... I'm like crying and my mom's like, why are you crying? Like, don't worry about it. Yeah, I don't know what a Spoonie Bard is. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's so good and I, I said it before, I think this is some of the, the best Final Fantasy characters, which is weird because they're little sprites and you can only go off like little dialogue. <laughs> they don't, you can't really develop them much but somehow they did to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kane is one of the coolest Final Fantasy characters so of all time. He's cool. so cool. Dragoons are the best. Oh, yeah. He loses his memory and then he has it back. Or does he? I don't know. Is he good or is he bad? We don't know. You got to play it and find out. You go to the moon in this game for some reason. Yeah, um, on a giant on a whale. whale. A, whale. Yeah. Yeah. a whale is your airship to the moon. You know, just like in real life. <laughs> uh, it's so weird. Um, the dungeons are great in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of these that 
I don't know, looking at a lot of the games on my list is where I learned to just, uh, I love to explore and look for things. And this game lets you do that. Yeah, like little hidden paths in like every dungeon. Yeah, almost. there's like a little tiny island that you can get to on your airship and it has like secret loot. Or if you have like the rat's tail, you get to get the mithril. And like there's like <laughs> these weird side quests that I didn't know were you could do in a game until exactly. I played this. Like what is this weird item? And then yeah. it becomes relevant. You know, exactly. Ten hours later. Yes. So, so uh, I don't know. It's so good. Uh, Final Fantasy II on Super Nintendo. Number three. Another game that I had to pick one. <laughs> and so I chose this as the representative. Dark Souls. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dark Souls is a game where I had this on PS3. I bought Dark Souls. And I was like, this looks interesting. It's a cool RPG game. I'm going to play this game. I played this game originally, and I was rocking and rolling through some some levels. I got to the gargoyles, and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> and I put it down, and I didn't touch it for a long time. Uh, then I started, you know, kind of hearing the rumblings on the internet of like, you know, this is like, it, this game is like fantastic. Like, you don't understand. It is hard. You're going to have to like bang your head against the wall. I'm like, well, I guess I'll go back and see what this is all about. So I started over. And it, it, it's, again, it's a difficult game if you don't know, like, again, if you, there wasn't a Dark Souls, well, there was Demon's Souls, right? Um, but if you're unfamiliar with this, like, you're not ready for the level of challenge that, like, is up front in this game. So, again, I, I powered through those gargoyles, and then I kept powering through everything. I finished this game, and I was like, this is something like this has unlocked something inside of me how do i play more of this how do i get more of a game that like challenges me in this way to where it's a thousand percent well this is 999 percent fair most of the time it's just on me to get past it and it's like challenging my level to like in my like ability to play this game and so uh, again they've done fantastic by me from software has to they did give me Dark Souls 2, and that was fine. And then they had gave me Dark Souls 3, and that was so much better. <laughs> and then Elden Ring came out, and that was... I went back and forth, but I think Dark Souls made the list more so because it, like, <clears throat> let me see what this new... Now what we call, you know, Soulsborne genre. It's become mm -hmm. its own thing. Like, it, you know, allowed me to see a new, <laughs> like wave of video games that I could enjoy. You know, when, when Demon's Souls came out and, and around the same time that Dark Souls came out, I, I kept saying that th these games would be some of the most influential uh, yeah. games that would kind of, I don't know, like guide people that are developing other games to, and it took a while, but it kind of is. Like, it, yeah. you're kind of yeah. seeing mm -hmm. threads of, of the Souls games. Of course. That, and then you're seeing straight up people just copying, copying. the formula, mm -hmm. and some of those people doing it very well. Yeah. Um, but I just have such adoration for this franchise. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, uh, just you know, Dark Souls and the the like, they, they do this thing that I love in a game. Uh, Bioshock does this, where it lets you just play the game. And Dark Souls does it maybe a little bit more so or less so, however you want to look at it. But, you know, the lore and the story of the game is uncovered as you play it. Um, more so in Dark Souls, you have to read item descriptions and like kind of learn. And even then, it's like the lore is still shrouded in mystery. And that's really what I love about it. I love a game where like the story is unfolded with how you play it and like how it's presented to you instead of just being like, here's a cutscene that you watch. Mm -hmm. um, so it has this in spades. And it's again something that's like, again, I see that I love. Again, going back to Bioshock, like 
I, I want the story to I want to find the story in this world I'm in uh, Dark Souls does that and I love that for it so and that's number three for me number two game we've talked about Chrono Trigger. Hell yeah. <laughs> Chrono Trigger made it number two for me. Going back to love of RPG games in that Super Nintendo era, this is certainly right up there. I think I've said this plenty of times before on this podcast, but this is a game that I've played over and over and over again. Done every ending in this game. Uh, I have a cart that has every character at level 99, except for Magus, who's at 96. Um, just max out stats because I've played it that many times because... This game is just that <laughs> fucking good. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, it. you finish it and incentivize you, like, I'm going to go see what else I can do in this game. Like, again, we talked about you know, exploring and secrets, and it has all that. Like, you can miss lots in this game. Mm-hmm. If you just power through to go to the end, uh, you won't see everything. So you have mm-hmm. to, like, make sure you're, like, going back and forth in time. It's Again, time travel is crazy uh, in a game from the Super Nintendo era. And not and on top of, like, just having things to miss, like, with the new game plus, it just adds new things to find. Yes. Um, you know, getting the multiple endings and, like, realizing, you know, once you power through and, like, if you have a 99 Chrono, how... You can just go right to the to the little yeah, machine right the in the beginning. beginning and bam, fight Lavos, and that's one of the endings. Yes. You know? so just it's so good, incredible. yeah. Just again, I think you mentioned it, Neil, but the music in this game is Phenomenal. like iconic to me. Like I, I just Frog's theme is just constantly playing in my head, like all the time. <laughs> it's so good. Again, amazing characters as well. So and, uh, and not only an amazing cast of main characters, but an amazing cast of side characters. Absolutely, yeah. um, Toma. Toma, you know, uh, Toma's story is so good. Yeah, like just just how much depth they put into to these characters that you wouldn't think would really matter, but mm-hmm. but but expand on so much in, in like the lore and in the world that they build in the multiple worlds. That yeah, they exactly. Build. And how like each of these time periods, you can also see build upon each other as yeah. well. Like, and again, your actions in one time period can affect the others. So. And the and the game is even like expanded into its in, into its own other games like in in Chrono Cross you know in, right. in Chrono Trigger you hear nothing about how this this the city of Termina and this new port that they're getting but you actually never see it in the game right and then the beginning of Chrono Cross is you going to Termina, Termina. Mm. and so it's you know just a, a world that's just expanded on and it's incredible it's just a beautiful game and you know talking again like this is a game where i would if i wasn't playing it i was at school with the strategy guy just pouring over it again and again and again you reading your bible john michael yeah absolutely <laughs> either that or i was taking so some <laughs> yeah i was taking some some paper and like tracing characters in it and stuff like so cute, yeah. i just couldn't get enough chrono trigger and still to this day it just it is a piece of who i am so that's I also really two. loved like uh, it was one of the first you know because like most games just have like your good guys and your bad guys and like then yeah. how this like threw in the element of like oh you start to kind of see like the monsters and how they live and then you start interacting yeah. with them and going to their shops and them charging you an absurd amount of money to get stuff because you're a human yeah you go to monster and, town yeah <laughs> you get one of the bad guys on your team Agus is a bad guy for all intents and purposes but he has his own story yeah. he's, he's very a much really the Bowser of this one, one so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chrono Trigger, number two. Uh, number one, Ocarina of Time. That's it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time has just forever, again, been that, uh, I don't know, the perfect game at the perfect time in my life. This is, Ocarina of Time is just 
nostalgia, pure, plain and simple for me. It's a game that I'll play over and over again. I still have the 3DS version that I'll play usually. For a while there, I was playing it about once a year. Now it's, you know, every couple of years. But um, again, we go back to like the music and the yeah. just everything about this game, the adventure, the, the I don't know. And Nintendo's just, always done like really well, um, I find, like, going back to like the 3DS version you yeah. know it's like it's it's literally the the exact same game yeah. but it looks better runs a little better but it just has like some quality of life changes yes. that were just so good Iron like, Boots in the Water Temple that's all you need right there that or and uh you know the the ocarina having its own dedicated button yes. yeah. you know so yeah. now you can hold four items instead of three and one of them not be taken up by exactly. the ocarina and not having to go through the menu and hit the four buttons to get to whatever subscreen you need to be on you know but. This yeah to me this is a game again the the music in this game is like integral to it right so it is a major piece of the game like you play yeah. music to like warp and do things in the game and I don't think that it, that ever like you know, obviously uh, there's music in games but to me that's when music started becoming a, a forefront in games for me right it's something I started really truly paying attention to and again something that like has led to just this giant piece of nostalgia in me so yeah and also speaking you know to your point of like souls and finding out lore and what yeah. it means and like just seeing like some of these boss characters like ongo bongo and exactly. like realizing what happened to him and what ganondorf did to him and you know how he was tortured and his hands cut off and so he's mm -hmm. this like evil spirit now just out to get yeah, anything so and everything dark. that comes like... to yeah it's really dark and uh man the forest temple music just yeah yeah huh. Yep. Spooky all, good. All yeah. the music. Bolero Fire. Yeah, mm. all the music. Mm. All the music. All of it. Man, yes. they're just... Again. So uh, iconic. Uh, that, that's... Uh, to this day, if I just need to, like, chill out, I might just put on some... some Lon Lon Music Ranch <laughs> music or something and, and just go back to a simpler time when I was 11 and throwing bomb chews at a alley or something. <laughs> like, uh, yes. Uh, it's just... It, uh, I don't know. It's the perfect game for the perfect time in my life that I needed it to be. So Act Ocarina of Time. Nice. How about a quick rundown before Absolutely. we take our second break? All right. Number 10, Fallout 3. Number 9, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remake. Number 8, Pokemon X. Number 7, Ghost of Tsushima. Number 6, Persona 5 Royal. Number 5, Diablo 2. Number 4, Final Fantasy 2. Or 4. Uh, number three, Dark Souls. Number two, Chrono Trigger. And number one, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Nice, nice. Thank you for sharing your list with us. Up next will be Steven. But first, we're going to take another quick break and hear from you and all of our user-submitted content. So stick around. We'll be right back with Gameware Express. <laughs> Hello, all you Gameware Express listeners out there in the universe. It's your favorite Gameware Express girl, Renee, here to bring you some top 10 lists during our little break from listeners, friends, and family. I'm really hyped to read out these lists because it's all about your favorite games, and <laughs> I don't know about you, but I seriously enjoy reading and hearing about things that people are passionate about. Really, there's nothing better than that. So let's bring it to the first list that I have here, which is brought to you by one of our current Gameware employees. 
For some reason, he did not want me to disclose his name, so I'll call this mystery employee lad. (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) I got him to give me his list in person, so I don't have any special message to read along with it. But I will say that this top 10 list was fascinating to me, mainly because this employee is young, and a few of the games on his list reflect that. Some are like games that I would have suggested or sold to a younger audience when I was working at Gameware, so it makes me happy to know that there are people out there who grew up with these games that I sold back in the day, and that they have great memories with these sort of games while growing up. You'll know what I mean. Number 10, Lego Batman 2. Number 9, Cyberpunk. Number 8, Super Smash Brothers. Number 7, Lego Indiana Jones. Number six, Ultimate Spider-Man. Lad told me that he loved playing as Venom and swapping between Spider-Man and Venom in this game. Number five, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Number four, Resident Evil 4 Remake. Good choice. (laughs) Number three, Spider-Man Web of Shadows. Number two, Batman Arkham City. He added that it's an incredible game and such a great story. And number one, Ghost of Tsushima. When I asked him why Ghost of Tsushima was his all-time favorite game, he told me that it not only was just incredibly well-made and so much fun, but it's a game that got him really interested in studying Japanese history. I just think that's so cool when a game can influence other fun interests like that. Oh, I love it. Thank you, kind sir, for your top 10 list. Next up, we have a top 10 list from a veteran gameware regular. Give it up for Shank's top 10 list. Number 10, Dead Space 2. Number 9, Octopath Traveler. Number 8, Resident Evil 4 Remake. He said it improved a lot upon the first, which I didn't even think was possible. Number 7, Mega Man X. Number 6, God of War 2. Number 5, Super Metroid. Number 4, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Number 3, Resident Evil 2. He said OG and Remake are equal. (laughs) Okay, Shank. That's cheating, but I'll allow it. Number 2, Chrono Trigger. Or Chronograph Trigger, if you're like me and autocorrect hates your bumbling fingers. (laughs) And his number one, his favorite game of all time, Final Fantasy VI. And this is exactly what he had to say about it. Final Fantasy VI is my fave because it's my favorite RPG of all time. I grew up in a small farm community where being into nerdy things made you an outcast. I had a craving for great stories as a kid, and this had everything I was looking for. A group of heroes trying to save the world, a compelling villain driven by madness, and a tone shift later in the game that most games and movies don't even try to do today. I fell in love with the characters and got compelled to know the rest of the story. Another thing I really love is the soundtrack. I could listen to it every day growing up and still could today. Also, Dancing Mad is and forever will be a bop. I mean, it's an 18 minute track that has an incredible buildup. Thank you, Shank, for that top 10 list. So good. Next is an email sent out from another dear friend, Endy, and so I will read it out. He says, Hey gamers, Indy here, entertainer and video game lore theorist. 
You can find me on Twitch at Indie Saga or The Indie Saga on X slash Twitter. Wanted to take a second out of my vacation to wish the Gameware podcast a happy 10 years. Happy 10 years, y'all. Before I get into my 10 greatest games of all time to celebrate 10 years of podcasting, I wanted to talk about my Gameware experience. Gameware is not just an incredible store with an astounding staff. It is a community of gamers where you are more than just a customer. That is Gameware to me. My first memorable Gameware experience was when I encountered an enthusiastic young woman sitting on the shop floor at the mall location. She was organizing the shelves with a bright smile on her face. Intrigued by such a welcoming presence, I asked for recommendations, to which the conversation steered towards RPGs, and she suggested Final Fantasy VI, or three on the Super Nintendo at the time. Reciting all the reasons it was her favorite game of all time, I'd never met someone so passionate about games. Immediately, I felt at home at Gameware. I said, it must be fun to work here, to which she replied, Oh, I don't work here. I will someday, though. (laughs) That person was none other than Renee. I not only made a close friend that day, I gained a profound outlook on how special Gameware is. Gameware is truly a special combination of the games we love and the people who are a part of those games. Oh, I'm going to pause on his message because, Andy, that's going to make me cry. I remember that day. Okay, okay, sorry. I'll continue here. So... My top 10 favorite games of all time. Let me run down my criteria. Video games are an art form, thus I will treat my rankings accordingly. Art is subjective. It depends on perspective and person. One, art invokes emotion and can shape feelings. What is the impact this game had on me? Two, how well did the game keep my attention? What was my overall investment in the game? Number three, Overall enjoyment. Does this game bring joy? So here's my list. Number 10, League of Legends. Number 9, Harvest Moon 64. Number 8, Genshin Impact. Number 7, Miramasa, The Demon Blade. Number 6, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night. Number 5, Kirby Superstar. Number 4, Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Number 3, Persona 3, number two, Final Fantasy VI, and my favorite game of all time is Azure Dreams. Never heard of it? Likely you haven't. Sadly, it was a limited US release from Konami. I picked up this hidden gem at none other than Gameware. Imagine a JRPG PS1 game that was a monster battler, a city builder, a dating sim, and so much more. Azure Dreams follows a young monster tamer named Ko and his familiar Kuhn in his pursuit to find out the fate of his missing father and his rise to fame as a monster tamer. To this, you must go into the giant monster tower at the center of the village of Monspaya. The floors, items, and monsters are randomly generated. Even the monster breeding results are RNG. The gameplay is simple yet challenging and addictive. It combined aspects of all my favorite games from the gameplay to the illustrations. I cannot tell you how many hours I committed to this game. The story is simpler than most on this list, and yet it is the very essence of the JRPG. I love the renovations you can make in town, like a community swimming pool and a bowling alley. 
there are seven romanceable options. Eight in the Japanese version, you can actually marry your rival, Gosh Rhodes. Though the best choice IMO is his sister, the beautiful sorceress, Selfie Rhodes. This game occupied my mind in some very lonely times in high school. I probably could have picked any other games on this list over this one. The reason it's number one is because it kind of does everything. Sort of the jack of all. It represents all the games you rented from Blockbuster. Or all those obscure gold finds you unearthed at your local game store. It is the quintessential gameware experience to me. Not knowing what to expect and having it surpass expectations. Oh my god, what a great list, Indy! And thank you so much for those great memories and those great games. I'm going to plug that Twitch stream once more if you missed it. You can find our friend Indy on Twitch at IndySaga. That's I-N-D-Y-S-A-G-A. Okay, I've got one more list before we go back. And this is one from Gameware Royalty as well. It's V, so let's hear what V has to say. Hello, Gameware Express, long time no see. Sorry for being away the past few years. In order to get away from the toxicity of social media, I distanced myself from Facebook, deleted my Twitter and Instagram accounts, and became a hermit, only coming out every once in a while. After listening to the last few recordings of the podcast, I've become a little more motivated to speak up. It's been good to hear y'all again. Just to give you guys an idea of what I've been playing lately, I've been keeping up with the current fighting game scene while, at the same time, making a bunch of trips to the past to play a bunch of classics that I didn't get to play before. I haven't played too many new releases this year, but this month there are quite a few I'm very excited to play, namely Sonic Superstars, Mario Wonder, and Spider-Man 2. I've been informed that it's Gameware Express's 10-year anniversary this month, and I just wanted to say congratulations, because 10 years is a really long time. And that's saying something because I've been around Gameware for over half of my life now, and you all know how much of a blast I've had hanging out with all of you for so long. Awesome job, and keep up the good work, guys. To commemorate this occasion, I have prepared a list of my personal top 10 games of all time. You may be surprised by some of the games on this list, but, as you all know, tastes can change with time. I love a lot of games. I arguably love too many games. Because of this, I have not included any honorable mentions out of fear of the list being way too long. I also didn't want to turn this email into a full-blown thesis. Feel free to discuss these titles. I'm confident that at least one of you has some input to share for each one. Number 10, Mega Man X. Number 9, Mario Kart Double Dash. Number 8, Dance Dance Revolution Extreme. Number 7, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Number 6, Octopath Traveler 2. Number 5, Sonic Mania. Number 4, Super Mario Galaxy. Number three, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Number two, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. Number one, Super Smash Brothers Melee. <laughs> Once again, happy 10 year anniversary. I've got a lot of running to do to catch up to this train, but I'm looking forward to hearing more of you guys soon. Until then, take it easy, V.
What an amazing list. I know that wasn't easy for you, my friend, because you have played so many games and have impeccable taste. So thank you, V, for sending in your list. Well, that covers all of these lists. <laughs> thank you so much to everyone who sent us your lists, your memories, and your well wishes. We love you all very, very much. All right, then. Let's swing back to the crew. And welcome back to the GameWare Express 10th anniversary special. We just heard some more favorites from you, the listener. We appreciate everyone who wrote in and submitted content to us. We've heard top 10 lists from Neil, Renee, myself, and John Michael. Steven. Hello. Why don't you wrap us up? Sorry, I got a little frog in my throat. So, yeah, it, this list has changed like seven times. <laughs> the entire <laughs> time we've been recording, this. Steven's like, been like, typing away. Your top ten, top ten list. Yeah. <laughs> I call um, shuffle. <laughs> you know, it, it, I think like the, the tenth game on my list, uh, if you're a PC gamer, you might have like a benchmark game that you, whenever you build a new PC, yeah. you like, I got to install this game just to see how it runs. Linux. Like, because when I was a kid, maybe it didn't run very well. <laughs> crisis, too. But does it run Crisis, does, yeah. But does this, like, monster of a computer that I just bought, with? because there's been a lot of updates to this game over the years, so, like, does it, does it run optimal? And prior to this game's release in 1999, I've been playing games in this genre for about a decade. Okay, so, like, Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It is the best simulation game as far as like creating a city, so to speak, you know, like creating like a, a, an environment for little little meeples to run around. Sure. <laughs> and it is a perfect video game. And, yes. it's, and it mm -hmm. is the 10th game on my list. This game was developed by a single person. It was created in Wild. this archaic engine, which, you know, basically you're just typing this entire game as you're developing it. And it came out a month before I graduated uh, high school. And I let me. I have this game. This is this game is. It's this game's fault that I never, <laughs> I never went any further Let's than just that. Blame it's that. Like, I'm just blame gonna blame yeah. uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon on, on my my failures in college because all I did was Easily. play. Like, <laughs> anytime I would like get a job where there's a computer, I would install Roller Coaster Tycoon on that computer <laughs> at work. That just, is true. You, know, you just got to see how Sorry, this game boss. runs. Yeah. <laughs> and you can pause it. Yeah. So yeah. You, know. you can do you can do it's a great it's such a great game. I think the first like roller coaster simulation game I ever played was at Epcot Center. Oh wow. Oh yeah. It was, it was one of those things where it was like a kiosk at Epcot Center where you can create and then you a ride coaster, it, right? And you can ride it. And it, it. flips you over and well, I don't yeah. know about that. Oh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> that, that's a different one. <laughs> and then Peter Molyneux in the mid nineties, like when he worked I don't remember the name of the studio, it doesn't matter. He created Theme Park. Uh, oh yeah, Bull, Bullfrog mm -hmm. Interactive, which was, and it was like I, I love the idea of of managing different aspects of this amusement park, like putting more salt in the in the it's food, so, yeah, and, like, and making the the drinks like really iced over, like there's not much. Drink it's in raining, there. so the umbrellas are now oh, forty dollars. I always joke <laughs> yeah. about Renee like yep. manhandling the people in her park when it comes to the uh -huh. change the color. They just buy more umbrellas. Exactly. I have no idea it's true. It's or true. Or getting, getting terrible ratings in your park because you make a coaster that starts and then doesn't have an end point except the sidewalk. <laughs> it's, it's but then you only make an entrance to the park, not an exit. <laughs> so everyone that comes in then gets hit by your roller coaster. Like, <laughs> before before a Roller Coaster Tycoon come out, like theme park, uh, there was also one that e like Electronic Arts had made. But Roller Coaster Tycoon, for me, is like a roller coaster... Like I was obsessed with roller coasters, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was researching as a child, like the d different manufacturers that make roller coasters, like yeah. the actual companies. Yeah. 
And Ro Roller Coaster Tycoon was the first like roller coaster uh, game that got it right as far as like physics. Yes. yes. The rides they they act the way they should. Mm -hmm. So you ha you can't just like make the stupid thousand. <laughs> I mean, you could you could if you wanted to, but I really appreciated that as a, as a roller coaster dork. Um, and yeah, I still play this game to this day. I'm fascinated by by Roller Coaster Tycoon. If you put it on any format, I mean, I played it on mobile. Yeah. But specifically from this list, the PC version of the yeah, first. Yeah. And every yeah. level keeps you coming back because yeah. you, after oh, you yeah, like, finish it, you're like, oh my gosh, like what's the next one like? And it's mm -hmm. even more challenging. It does such a good job of like progressively making it more and more difficult, but you feel like such a winner whenever yeah. you get it. So. Plus the sounds are great in that game. Yes. <laughs> it just sounds like a theme park. Like, yeah, like yeah that's what I'm saying. The, you hear, you yeah. can well, hear it. I mean, you literally hear them. Like the, the children laughing is like a licensed sound effect. That's yeah, like so that's, much shit. Like TV like, shows and... But to me, that's the sounds from Roller Coaster Tycoon it's, when yes. I hear them. What I'm <laughs> saying is it is literally the same sound. Like the sound effect from the game I, is... Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. But like oh, yeah, in, yeah. in my brain, like it doesn't matter if it's like... It's a, always It's be. not a Getty image, right? It's they yeah. stole it from Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when you hear Doom sound effects and other stuff. Exactly. Because it's yeah. just... It was, a, it was a cheap engine that they right. like licensed That monster effects. noise. Yeah. <laughs> the door closing. Anyway, so that's number 10. Number nine, um, I don't know if I've played a lot of multiplayer games uh any at any point in my life i just never have really been into like massively online multiplayer games or like <laughs> even like local mo multiplayer games but there's one game that i probably have put more hours into like a local co-op physical experience <laughs> which is dance dance revolution oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. and we're, we're taking this to the arcades for the first time on this collection of lists uh, i believe renee took us to the arcade with pop, pop and you did i'm so sorry and it's from the same developer yeah the same publisher which is bamani which is a subset of konami um in 1998 konami decided to make three music games they they made uh ddr they made beat mania and i think guitar freaks was the same year and then they iterated on this year and year and year year after year after year we we imported the dreamcast version of dance dance revolution out of like pure <laughs> curiosity <laughs> and like created a mat we had a mat and like went to home depot and got uh some like uh some wood cut plywood yeah plywood to go under the mat and we put a, a clear vinyl protector cover over this thing so that we could have like a mat that wouldn't move around sure you gotta keep it steady game. yeah and then at some point one of the arcades in baton rouge got usa mix it was at celebration station i was about to say yep. was that celebration yep. station yeah. or don carter it was a celebration no, station it was and the that hotness for a while like 30 songs yeah and then once once we got third mix, which was at the bowling alley, um, Ooh, third mix. there aren't a lot of video games in my life that I have like uh, modeled my life around, <laughs> which is which brings us back to like an MMO. Yeah, like you're you're like I can't go and do this thing with you because I'm playing this game tonight. Yep, I've already told some people that I'm going to log Committed on to being and there. do that. Um, if it's any other game, and, and you're like, hey, you want to go to a movie? Sure, I'll just play Lemmings 3D later. <laughs> but like, I'm getting off at of work at nine o'clock. I'm driving from work to this place to play this game. Do you want to come with me? No. Okay, I'm still gonna do that. Yeah, it's like the this that I've committed to. Like, oh, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I don't have to be at work until four. I'm gonna go to the children's arcade area with the <laughs> putting place. Yeah, and I'm gonna play this game for four or five hours. I'm literally going to drag my half dead body off the machine. <laughs> and like it and this game physically changed me. Like I lost yeah. like 35 pounds playing a video game. 
Yeah. yeah. My mom asked if I was on drugs. She was like, oh, she was wow. yeah. It was like a serious, like, I just need to know, are you on drugs? Yeah, <laughs> mom. You, you, DDR. Yeah, I am on a drug for yeah. straight from Japan. <laughs> Shoot, shooting up arrows. 75 cents a hit. <laughs> the highs last about seven minutes. <laughs> but, like, I, I would... I just loved playing this game so much. It was mm-hmm. it was the only thing I was interested in for such a long time. It's the only game that I've like left the state to go play like another version of it. I yeah. can't yeah. tell you I've ever unless you count E3. I don't know, that doesn't really count. It's the only game like that, that I was competitive in, even though I was never good enough to be like we would compete in DDR sure. tournaments and um it was it was we were just obsessed with it. And it's yeah. So that's that's why it's on this list. That's why it's my number nine game. Love I think that. one time I asked Renee uh when I was leaving, where I was at work. Yeah, and, and I wasn't working at Gameware yet. I had just like kind of met you. We had only hung out a few times, but I started making Gameware one of my haunts. Yeah, I was with my friend Liz <laughs> as we were, you know, Saturday night. And Stephen was like, we were talking, oh, what are we going to do after this? Are we going to go see a movie or something? Oh, we maybe have to go home. And you're like, oh, I'm going to Celebration Station after this to play DDR. Do you want to come watch? <laughs> yeah, and we were like, watch. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. no, but okay. <laughs> Nice idea. <laughs> Why would we go watch that? But watching Steven play DDR became like just a joy for me. Was, I still, I love to watch Steven play DDR. I love to play DDR myself. So it was a scene, you know, you'd have like yeah. 30 people around the machine, like watching you play this game. I had someone asked me, do you, do you know how to dance in real life? I'm like, no, no, I, I'm <laughs> That's stepping not on how the arrows. I, I, I'm not, it's not dancing at all, but it was so much fun. It was, and physically just. I don't know. Yeah, I just, same. It was my, the healthiest uh, time of my life. <laughs> yeah, my buddy in high school, you know, we used to go to Spaceport at Cortana yeah, to play it all the time, port. and he yeah. lost 40 pounds playing DDR. That's crazy. It's just, yeah. Got, I've still got really strong legs to this day. <laughs> <laughs> my calf puzzles are insane. I haven't played this game, like, seriously in 20 years. Like, seriously. I play it every now and then. But uh, that brings us to the number eight game. So, on, on my 15th birthday, um, uh, 14th birthday. My mom took me to Walmart and she said, Stephen, and it literally was my birthday. It was June 5th, 1995. She said, you can pick one game. Um, This wasn't my only birthday present, (laughs) but it It was was just like, you can hear, I'm just buy a game from you. And back then it wasn't common to like, just get a game. No, Mm -hmm. you would get a game. And I know it was my birthday, but you, and I'd already had birthday party or whatever. Sure. You would get a game birthday, you get a game Christmas, that's it. Yep. And if you had money saved up, you could buy it. But the only reason why I picked Earthbound off the shelf that day was because it was the biggest box. (laughs) It was in a big giant box and it was the most expensive game on the shelf. Smart decision. I didn't know anything about it. I remember seeing ads in Nintendo Power saying that this game literally stinks. It's true. Because Nintendo (laughs) didn't know how to market whatever this game is and ended up being. Like literally had no idea how to market this game. Um, and I took it home and I played some RPGs before this, but this was the start of me realizing that my favorite RPGs are just RPGs set in like a normal place Uh, in like a present Mm -hmm. era. Um, not that I don't love fantasy RPGs or science fiction RPGs, but there's something so interesting to me about like my weapon is a cracked bat Yeah, exactly. (laughs) because it's the worst weapon for me to have. It's literally a broken bat. And then at some point I'll get like an aluminum bat and I'll Mm -hmm. bop people on the head. But everything about earthbound is why I love another game on this list later. 
because oh, okay. the presentation was so interesting to me and the music was sure. so interesting to me and the game was really funny it's weird it's, the, a it's a game, weird game right it's like, a really weird game there's nothing else like certainly not on the super nintendo like no. what a gamble to put something like that out in america and what a failure for nintendo you right know, a few years later this was like a five dollar game at best buy <laughs> yeah they were just yeah. trying to get rid of it it was nothing um and and it, it's since become a franchise that people are so obsessed with and nintendo has not released you know the third in the series mm-hmm. but Earthbound is one of those for me. We've talked about comfort games. It's it's yeah. always going to be uh, one of those comfort games for me, and it does a lot of really convenient things that I wish more RPGs RPGs would do. You know, if you're overpowered and you you hit a, a yes, weaker enemy, God. there's just no battle. It just like automatically wraps up the battle, and then you, you can see <laughs> you can see the enemies on the screen, which mm-hmm. I think is always. I mean, yes. I prefer that in, a, in an RPG. Well, certainly, again, talk about the time. That wasn't, you know, there's a lot of random battles in RPG. Yeah, games. you take one step and it's like, rope, rope, yeah, yeah, at least you can see it. <laughs> yeah. So Earthbound is just so good. It's um, it's number eight on my list. Um, number seven on my list is a. Uh, Renee's looking at me like like she. What is what it? Is. What is it going to be? It is. It, this is an RPG set in like a modern era, like a normal place. You're just you're just high school kids. Um, and it, it's pers- it's Persona Five uh, or yeah. Persona Five uh, Royal. Uh, I, I actually put more time into Five oh, than yeah. I did. I put like two hundred hours into Five. Wow. Okay. I need to go back to Royal. I was gonna say, did you get to the end, like the turning point? Not in Royal. Whoa. I know it's yeah. like a whole other yeah. game for me. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. we've talked about this game three times. This is the third time on this podcast now, mm-hmm. so I don't want to retread uh, old information. But everything about this game aesthetically is just the again the coolest thing. It's so cool. See. It's just cool. It's just and the music is so good and the combat is so fun and uh, it's 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 the best Atlas like pers- game in the Persona franchise for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And this you know I. I own like Revelation and Persona Two and 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 bought those were PS One games and then eventually mm-hmm. we get like the PSP and I, I've been interested and in, in kind of weaving in and out of Shin Megami Tensei, you know, for for a very long time and this was the first one that that really hooked me and kept me uh, interested like through through the end of it yeah when you're mm-hmm. literally fighting God right <laughs> as you do in an RPG as game, you do in a Japanese RPG game uh, an Atlas RPG game. or become so, it well, it was, it's, one of the other. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Persona 5. And it was it was hotly anticipated by us, if you've listened to this podcast. I mean, yeah. I think it made our most anticipated game of the year list twice. Because mm-hmm. it just kept getting delayed. Yeah. So good. Yeah, if you like RPGs, you play, play Persona 5. Um, and I'm just tearing through this because I feel like we've talked through, talked about some of these games uh, quite a bit. Uh, and this is a game that we've already mentioned before. Um, when I look back at the PS2 catalog and think, about how many amazing games are on that system. And a lot of people may have missed some of the late gen or the, the later games uh, on PS2 because maybe the PS3 had come out by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and an Odin Sphere on PlayStation 2. Nice. I mean, it's that is, so that is my number six game of all time. It is my favorite Vanillaware game. It is a game that I've put probably close to 200 hours. I know Renee specifically put the PS4 version of this mm-hmm. game on her list. I have not played the PS4 version so that's why it's the PS2 version for me. Um, the combat, just it's the best of what Vanillaware has done. Yep. I really love the cooking segments. I think the yep. way that you can just kind of stop in the middle of a battle. And, and to me, it, it almost feels like I'm not even having to think about what I'm doing. It took mm-hmm. a while to get there. Yeah, yeah, It yeah, took yeah. A, mechanically. But, like, everything is just so accessible and just so easy to, like, 
navigate through those menus. And, and beautiful. It's it's a gorgeous game. And there the are music. Very cool combos you can do with this game. Outside of just like your standard move set, like using items and like I'm gonna use a tornado and a fire and then I'm gonna go get them. And yeah, like, as I don't you know, get, just like uh, as you as you get um I guess um the mechanics as you get used to how they work. It's it's one of those games where you're just doing so much and it it feels effortless. Even though yeah. it took you a long time to get there. Um, you feel powerful. Yeah, especially playing on like the harder, harder difficulties. It's insane. I think I've only watched you do that. I've not even played that this game. You just like download complete. Like you're in it. Everything looks like it's in slow motion. Like as you're going. Yeah. And, you know, it, I love it how feels the, good. The, the the combat arenas. It is 2D, so you're just kind of going left and right. But it is. We haven't mentioned that it's like a circle. Yeah. So yeah. You yeah. just you could run from one end of the arena to the next, and it just kind of yeah. you, you'll end up at the beginning when you mm-hmm. get to the end. But it's got such an amazing story and the animation and the voice acting. It's it's a one of the few games that I I've played through like the English voice acting and really loved the the yeah the English is so good the Japanese is also good but the English is like a standout and also the endings I mean there's multiple endings yeah you have to use all of the knowledge that of like the lore that you've gained like across these character stories and then apply it to these five final bosses and if you get it wrong you get the most like upsetting oh, no. tragic stories Sucks like to be and you. endings for these beloved characters that you've like grown with so yep. yeah should have done it right so good so uh my, my number that was my number six game was odin sphere uh, my number five game from one of my favorite developers of like a of a very popular series or or i guess you could say series of 90s pc games yeah and this game this game has this like really intense 50s aesthetic this like brutalism feel to it this perfect blend of like gun combat but also like magic like i swear to god in one hand it's like magic coming out of your hand <laughs> something and like the that. other hand it's like gunplay well, this good. twist that you just i didn't see this twist coming at all and, <laughs> but so it, it's it's almost like a sci-fi horror uh, it's, it's, I've never it's, heard of a game like this before. It's almost like a perfect video game, and it's Control by Remedy. Um, <laughs> like control by Remedy. <laughs> it, it is the best game that Remedy has ever made, and I've been that like, is true. I've been playing their games since Death Rally on like this was 1995, like an overhead 2D um, driving game, and then obviously the Max Payne games. Yeah, um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, were kind of their ascension into being a studio that really knows how to make a game that focuses on gameplay mechanics. And in my opinion, Remedy kind of couldn't find their way for a while. Yeah, like it, certainly true. Alan Wake, there's certain things I love about that game. Mm. Quantum Break has some really cool ideas, but again, it didn't have... I don't think they nailed the gameplay as well as they did in the Max Payne games, and they brought that all back together with Control. Sure. Yeah. Which, for me, by the end of it, it's one of those games where you you basically are a god. You mm-hmm. the, the When you're navigating through this this like really intense feeling uh basically government building right yep. there's the, nothing on this nothing about this game on paper really looks interesting but in motion until things start happening yeah. in the yeah. world and i i'm this this avid lover of, of fmv and video games i've not true. hid this fact <laughs> That's why night trap is number one on your list night, we're gonna get to that in a minute <laughs> like this game has so much cool fmv shit this game has so much cool sci-fi shit um I I love this game so much, and and I had no idea there'd be anything Alan Wake related in this. And I know this was this was in marketing. This was the <laughs> DLC 
in the game, it said, I'm pretty sure it says Alan Wake on the menu if you buy it, but I didn't know any of that. <laughs> and this was like the, the ultimate edition of the game. So I, I couldn't, I didn't have the option to like purchase extra DLC. Yeah. And then it. when I get to a certain part of this game and I'm like, wait, is this like referencing Alan Wake? This is, <laughs> are these games like tied together? This is crazy. They I also are. like just really love, it's Jesse, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Like the, the like cheesy inner monologue narration oh, I love that all she of has that. all is <laughs> so great. And this is a game like I, I honestly need to get back to. I've never beaten it because I, I played through like half of the PS4 version and they got to a point to where the FPS just basically yeah. broke the game. Yeah. And I could not yeah. get past this one boss. Uh, but, you know, now they have the ultimate edition on PS5, which I have. And God, I it's need to beautiful. get back because it, it really is like for, for a Remedy game that I have not completed, it really is my favorite one of theirs. And that this like control is why I'm excited at all about Alan Wake Two. Yeah, because uh, I don't think if if I played Control uh, and Alan Wake Two comes out in a few weeks, yeah. I, I don't think I'd be interested in playing that at all. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to see what Remedy has like cooked up. Sure, what's and next? What for weird them. shit? And what we're gonna find out in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. What, like, what is like? What are we, I want to yeah. know what. <laughs> I've I've seen I've already seen how Alan Wake influenced Control. I want to see how Control influences Alan Wake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And as far as moments in games that um, I, iconic, like unforgettable moments in games, I, the ashtray maze in Control yeah. is one of the craziest, like crazy shit moments that I've mm-hmm. ever experienced in a video game. And I can, I'm so upset that I can't ever experience that again for the first time. <laughs> like yeah. I, you hit me somewhere on the head. <laughs> To where I don't know where, so I can forget that I did that, and then let me do it again. And uh, going back to like John Michael's point about Ghost of Tsushima, you know, living in a photo mode, Control was the first game where I really started playing around with a photo mode. And man, (laughs) the set pieces in that game are just phenomenal. I've tried playing this game twice now, and usually it's because you have so much. Like praise That's and my like job. fervor for it. <laughs> it almost makes me want to try one more time. But with mm. everything else coming out, I don't know. But yeah, I know you always speak highly of Control. And it's, it's a game that like I had owned for a year or two uh-huh. before I even played it. Yeah. Um, like I remember one, when you booted it up, I was so surprised. I was like, Control? I never it, thought that you'd touch it, but okay. It yeah. is, it is a game, yeah. to be fair, that takes like building up, getting some of the powers yeah. until... Until you really start feeling like, okay, now I'm a fucking badass, <laughs> yeah. and it's not just like a run and gun shooter sure. with like a little push. Like there is a moment, like after you get about a handful of the powers, where it is just it becomes another game. Okay, this game it's basically the same as an Elden Ring when you're trying to like get past that yeah. first. This is it's the same thing. It, I always hit that wall. I need to figure out how to like get through that wall there are a lot of games that i mental. like that have that game that have that like that that wall at the beginning yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna like you know separate the wheat from the chaff yeah <laughs> i'll be the chaff so control is my number five game um my number four game kind of brings us back into the music genre uh it's a game that a, fran- well, a franchise that i've enjoyed since 2007 and rock band 2 really is nice. like the, the best version of any rock band game 
it was when the DLC was like hitting the hardest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like every week there was mm-hmm. there was stuff that was they're releasing full albums. Yeah, like, it was a you know, lot. I think of I bought music. almost all of those. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. You know, buying songs of artists I didn't even care about, but I just wanted to play more rock. Yeah, band. More, I, I, more I was introduced lettuce. to new yeah. artists from that, like from rock band DLC I'd never heard of. Like yeah. I'm just buying them all. And even now to this, you know, it's 2023, and we're we, we're we still play this game. Yeah. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's rock band four, but it's it is one of the the to me it's it's just such a great social it's like yeah. karaoke but i actually like this more yeah, exactly. exactly um and harmonics has like always been good at like kind of introducing good music that just sticks i mean yeah one of my favorite bands still that i listen to is the slip and they had a song in guitar hero <laughs> one and it's even like we went and saw them in concert yeah. and it was one of the most amazing of the concerts, concerts i've ever awesome. been to that's awesome yeah wouldn't have gone on that sh- you know wouldn't have gone on that show without I mean, there's no way we would have ever known about them without yeah, those games. without it. Yeah, I can't say that Rock Band for me. I mean, there is some of that. I know that y'all have like Tony Hawk or Rock Band yeah. like introduced you to some to so much stuff you never heard, and there's a little bit of that for me. Yeah, but not not as much. I feel because mm-hmm. um, I was already like 50 by the time. <laughs> but I, if there's anything, it's it is the independent, like the smaller artists. Sure. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And you can even go further back to like frequency or amplitude. And, uh, yeah, for sure. Kind of introducing you to, to other, maybe genres, but certainly artists that you probably wouldn't have listened to. And we love freeze pop so much. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It is always one of the best parts of our rock band party whenever we play a freeze pop Let's talk pop more song. rock. Yeah. <laughs> I will never, until I am dead, I probably will never stop playing this game. Mm-hmm. Unless my instruments all break, which I hope they don't. <laughs> um, so rock band two is my number four. Uh, my number three game, um, prior to this game coming out, I I think I just liked playing video games and whatever was new, you just kind of wanted to play the new thing. Mm-hmm. You didn't really think about what you played last week or certainly five years ago or three years ago because you were 10 years old. Um, <laughs> so like Legend of Zelda Link to the Past was the yeah. first game that in, in my young you know, 10 years of living, uh, time after time would be one of those things that I'd want to go back and revisit. And um, it's to to this day, and I haven't played it in a while. I think I should fix that. But it, it is one of my favorite games of all time, and it is. And we mentioned this earlier. I mentioned this earlier. It's still it's influencing games yeah. now because people that were are my age that played it when I was when I played it the first time. Now they're making games, and they, sure, yeah, it's still it's still so many people's. Uh, it's like an influential point in the, absolutely in, in every aspect of of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's my favorite Zelda game. I know that maybe for other people it, it's going to mm-hmm. be Ocarina or maybe the Breath of the Wild, but for me, like the series, and it, it, this is from a point of nostalgia. The series for sure. me peaked 100% with Link to the Past, and I typically don't like games that have the back and forth world. Mm-hmm. Like Metroid Prime Two is like my least favorite oh, yeah, Metroid yeah, yeah. game, um, but Link to the Past does it so well. Though, yeah, it's it and the music and it's such a great. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's phenomenal game it's yeah and i mean in entering that dark world for the first time too was just you know i i think some games like lose it because it's like it's like you said with metroid prime 2 it's just this other world and like you kind of fight but like one of the beauties of entering the dark world in a link to the past was like you know you you play through the game and it's like okay okay boom boom first three dungeons and then you hit that dark world and all of a sudden you have enemies that are doing like eight hearts of damage yeah like it was not easy and so it was like, yeah, you were in this same place, but you had to navigate it completely differently. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh man, yeah, I can go on and on about this game. 
So yeah, my number three is uh, Link to the Past, 1991. Kind of taking it 32. That's, that's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so uh, John Michael had, he talked earlier about having to pick like one game out of a bunch <laughs> of games tough. that are kind of representing a series or maybe an entire genre of games. And for me, the souls born yeah. franchise since demon souls, like I, the day that game came out, uh, I was like trying to get people to buy it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty sure that's why I ended up with both demon souls yeah. and dark souls. You got me place. to buy it. It comes with a soundtrack. Yeah. I was like, look at all. This. And like we, we got, I don't know, six or seven copies of the, of the special edition, and um, when they came in, they sold really fast. And then I contacted our distributor. I was like, hey, how many more of those do you have? And I, I guess they told me like 20 or 30. And I was like, I'll take all of them. Yeah. I'm just going to like try to get people to buy this game. Um, and I don't really, honestly don't know what drew me to Demon's Souls when it first came out. Um, so my number two game is Bloodborne. <laughs> um, and it's, yes, it's, 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 as well it should be. These, like. these Souls games since Demon Souls, when when Dark Souls One came out, Dark Souls Two is probably my most played. Honestly, Souls yeah, game. that might well actually Elden Ring. Might I, I, or well, Souls. when I say Souls, Souls I mean specifically yes. Dark Souls. Yeah, oh, then, like put more well, time out of Dark Souls One, Two, or Three. I probably put more time into Dark okay, Souls. Three is the one for me, but yeah. And Bloodborne for me, it's like it's everything that I love about like the interconnected levels. Yes, but it's it's mm-hmm. also a more interesting world to me it's yeah it's the the vibes are immaculate and by immaculate i mean terrible (laughs) it's just a bad time i love bad time for everybody love a bad time everyone's having a bad time (laughs) you know bloodborne out of more so than any of the other souls games it's a more aggressive game there there is a shield in the game but it's like a joke yeah, you have to be more active in your combat. You can't like you're get rewarded back off. for like, like if you're immediately if you're attacked and you immediately attack back, like you'll get your health back. You know, so that's something that doesn't happen in any, right. any of the other Souls games. So like being aggressive, um, you, you're you're kind of you're you're encouraged to do that in mm-hmm. this game. Um, I would love to go back to Yarnum at some point. There there would be there should be another Bloodborne game. We're we're Please almost do that. I don't know. We're almost. Well, how, when did this game come out? Like 10, 10 years ago? 10 years ago? It's about 10 years 14, ago. 2014. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're almost 10 years away from, from Bloodborne, and, it, and it's still just, just a PS4 game. Not yeah. even like updated for PS5. Bloodborne also, again, we talked about like kind of lore stuff in the other one. And this one, uh, I don't know that it puts it more up front, but the more you play this, like you start seeing some of the weird lore that's in this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it turns into places that you don't expect it to go at all. Yeah. Um, so it goes from like this weird, like almost steampunky vibe to like, I don't want to ruin anything, but it goes in 10 years. It goes into like this, like weird pseudo celestial vibe. Like, yeah. like there's like aliens and shit in this game. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, yeah. At the point in the game where you realize that there there were like these invisible yeah um, like when your madness level can like you start seeing things depending on what your madness level is like yeah what a cool game yeah and y'all talking about like the influence you know of how like you know soulsborn became a genre and so many other companies are doing their take on it and one of the things i have to give bloodborne and demon souls is is the lore aspect of it is like was a huge influence on bungie and creating destiny and that's why like their lore is the same way where it's like yeah you have the story and you have cinematics telling you what's going on but getting the grimoire and like reading it and piecing it all together and man it's that's I need to play more of these games, but like that's one thing I know that they took like from the Souls games and like 
from from we're re- yeah and we're i hadn't even really thought about it but genshin by. also the way that they like insert their lore not just in the story but like mm-hmm. in their lore is in their items yeah. so yeah. there's like so much more like wider i don't know amounts of yeah. lore in genshin I and that. i i didn't even think about that until like y'all mentioned it yeah. so i'm like it's did like genshin get that from them probably. as well yeah and destiny yeah. did too you know like all the guns have their own stories and like yes. like the, <laughs> every piece of armor has its own story and like mm-hmm. yeah it's just so cool seeing like the influence of the Souls games, like, branching out into these other genres. Yeah. So, Bloodborne, yeah. huh? Number two, Bloodborne. Please make more Bloodborne. <laughs> um, it's, it was the first From game I ever platinumed, because that's what you do when yeah. you really love it's a game. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm really surprised this is one that hasn't been, like, remade or... Up-res Even or... just give me a patch. Honestly, yeah. 60 yeah. Frame, I would love... Like, get, get rid of the please. chromatic aberration. Give me a 60 frames per second mm-hmm. patch. That'd be amazing. Uh, number one is Cocoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> geometric Interactive. Good choice. Uh, thank one you of our for listening. Heart attack to that. Just now. So all co- of us at the table a heart attack. <laughs> Cocoon is an environmental puzzle. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I should talk about that later. Um, so, the, the, my number one game is the perfect video game. I've played it on seven or eight different uh, formats. Um, it is Resident Evil 4. Uh, it, it the is. first episode of this podcast, we talked about Resident Evil 4. <laughs> yes. um, when I'm on my deathbed, please bring the microphones. We can talk about it one last time. Uh, specifically, the GameCube version of Resident Evil 4 sure. because of impact, right? Mm, because it was yeah. it was something that Capcom had done that maybe would not have paid off because it was a franchise that had been around for almost a decade. And this was a game that was... Would moving away from what made that franchise popular to yeah. begin with, mm-hmm. right? Because this is right. Resident Evil Four is not a survival horror game; it is a horror action game. Yes, um, this is a game that is perfectly paced. I really enjoyed uh, and loved and and platinumed the the remake that yep. came out this year, and we'll talk about that more later too. But I think that the original version is a better game. There are aspects that I like in the remake more so than the original. But again, because of impact and because of the, it is the original version of the game, it is my number one game of all time. It is, Love it. I've put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into this game on different formats, and if, I never get tired of playing it. Um, it's just perfectly paced. Um, you know, it's 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 a twenty hour game, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. No. Every, every yeah. scene, every scene, you're going from from area to area, and you're like, I I don't. This is so good. Like, I can't yeah. believe you're going into like new zones and environments constantly, but it all still feels cohesive, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so. I know people do criticize the third act. Um, I don't know. I think that's unfair, you know, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's I really love, you know, because Resident Evil 4 was the first Resident Evil game I played, and it got me into playing the rest of them. Yeah. And what I really realized after playing like Zero, One, Two, and Three is that I hate tank controls. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Correct. But one you thing do. that four does great is like it still has tank controls. Yeah, yeah. they just change the camera. The camera's just yeah. behind you the whole over time. the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. One of the first ones to do that. And right? it's like it's like once you realize that, and you realize like just how like this one little flip just like completely changed the whole fucking genre of this game. And and also like it going into like action horror, yep, like right. kind of makes sense, right? Because like this is Leon's second thing, you know, or even like going into six. People give six a lot of shit. But it's like it, it kind of makes sense as like the series evolved because like do you think in Resident Evil Four like Leon's just gonna like go somewhere with four bullets like right, hell no yeah. he's I, been through some uh, stuff actually he did well, well right well <laughs> he right didn't bring but. any guns at all <laughs> smart man he knew he could find some yeah they he knew, got he, lots he, of he, knew guns he was everywhere. everywhere but man like even like the little elements of Resident Evil Four like 
the side stuff of like shooting the metals that hang out the tree and stuff like all of that is just so good it's well designed i mean every aspect of the game it it has lots of things that you can miss and it it won't really affect your gameplay but when you when you replay it yeah there's it gives you reason to go back I love a reason to go back to yeah. something. And it's just, it's fun. It's just a fun game. I, I had like really bad experiences with survival horror prior to us playing Resident Evil 4 together on GameCube. And I'm so glad that I gave horror as a genre another chance Yeah, because like that was really the tipping point for me being like, I can start to enjoy like this sort of media because you introduced it to me. Like and now I, I like horror movies and I like horror games. So, Good job, what are you buying? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, it's just that it'll be yeah. interesting to see where the those. Um, again, we'll talk more about this later. But Resident Evil Four is is definitely one of the most influential uh, games ever created. But it, it's also going to kind of almost th- this remake is going to kind of reboot the franchise forward. Yeah. So it'll be interesting right. to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So Resident Evil 4, no surprise, yeah. rounding out Steven's list. Do you want to give us a quick rundown, 10 to uh, 1? Yeah, so number 10, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yes. Number 9, Dance Dance Revolution. Third mix specifically, but any of them are fine. Uh, number 8 is Earthbound. Number 7, Persona 5. Uh, number 6, Odin Sphere. Number 5, Control. Number 4, Rock Band 2. Number 3, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. Number 2, Bloodborne. And number one, Cocoon, <laughs> also known as uh, Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Solid list. Great lists from everyone. Round of applause Yay. to all of us. We put that together. I know, I know it's tough, right? Like It's like picking all your favorite children and then ranking them <laughs> once you yeah. finally pick which 10 you like the most. But no, I thought this was really fun, right? Like We all got to see everyone's you know, taste in games. And we thought we knew each other. We knew a lot of them that maybe were coming, but you know, still some surprises along the way. I would say, I would say, I think a lot of our number ones were not surprising. Yeah. of course. But like definitely like the five through tens Mm -hmm. were Mm -hmm. really interesting because, you know, a lot of that was brought in through just different time periods. Yeah, exactly. Affected us. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's always great. You can, learn so much about someone uh, to me like based on like what's your top games or top movies or any of this stuff right like just what you kind of vibe you have just from these things so I think this was really fun to put together and a great way for us to celebrate 10 10 years years. of getting behind microphones and talking to each other so um everyone who listened and everyone who wrote in thank you so much for your submissions yes um everyone at this table as always i'm so glad we're able to get together and keep doing this somehow all these years later uh gives me something to look forward to every week so i'm glad we're back up off the ground doing it again in 2023 and the fact that we've been doing it since 2013 is is really special so absolutely can't um, wait to do a top 20 (laughs) right so um everyone thanks so much for listening john michael neil steven renee of course thank you so much for joining we hope you enjoyed this celebration of 10 years of Game War Express and we hope we have many more ahead of us to do happy birthday Game War Express happy birthday (laughs) us you're double digits now (laughs) get a job everyone out there thank you so much for listening Uh, be good to each other and we'll see you next time Mm -hmm.